Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week, for Kurt Russell Appreciation Month, we're doing Eye Patch Week with Captain Ron and Escape from New York. I thought you were dead, Captain Ron. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. I was just reading Noah's message about how he was almost asleep, so... Oh, yeah. I was, I was very literally 30 seconds away from completely missing this show. Luckily, whenever I lay on the couch, I like put the phone on the headrest and it was like a half inch away from my head. So whenever uh, Brian said he was going to get a drink, it like buzzed right in my ear. And I was like, man, who's texting me at this time of night? And I looked at it and I was like, oh, fuck, it's Thursday. (laughs) Be honest. You thought we were recorded on Tuesday already. I don't, I don't know if I get if I'm that burnt out where I'm imagining things happen before they happen. I just like I like the whole who texts me at this time at night at eight thirty. Like, I have the same problem if I call my grandmother after seven thirty at night. She's like, "Hey, I am who I am." <laughs> you were born as Larry King, and you shall die that way. It's so fun. It's so funny. It used to be the exact opposite. I was like a, a night owl with insomnia and just couldn't fucking ever sleep. Yeah. And now, and now I'm like, it's eight o'clock. Oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the same problem I have. I couldn't sleep at all last night, so I slept for two hours. Woke up, finally went back to sleep about eleven thirty this afternoon <clears> or <throat> this morning, I guess. Did I lose everybody? No. Oh, okay. Just couldn't hear anybody. Just, uh, just listening. Did we, uh, did we lose Doug? I think, I think we might be, have. Yes. I didn't hear the uh, log out sound thingy. Yeah. Oh, he left. <sighs> Must have been one of them mooses. Can you guys hear me yet? Yeah, now we can hear you. All right. I don't know what happened, so I just started pushing buttons until you could hear me again. Yeah, it's usually the best option to take. There are several buttons in and around my computer that I don't know what they do, so I figure it must have been one of them. <laughs> uh, did either of you? Well, I know Noah saw it. Did uh, Doug? Did you see the Suicide Squad trailer or poster? Poster? Yeah, you posted yeah. it somewhere. So yeah, it looks pretty cool. Apparently yeah. the trailer is out like tomorrowish. Tomorrow, yeah, I'm excited. Which is weird to say about a Suicide Squad movie because the last one was garbage. But yeah, 
We'll see. Really well. Did you guys? Did you guys manage to spend a day and a half watching uh, the Snyder Cut? Well, I did. I know Doug's not going to. No. Do you? Do you even have access to it? Do I? I mean, I could sign up for a streaming service yeah. that has it if I wanted to. I don't have immediate access. Yeah. I don't want immediate access. I did listen yeah. to like some other reviews, and um, like I watched a couple of clips online to see if I should get yeah. interested in it and I, I should not get interested in it oh like I watched the Batman Joker thing yeah like, don't yeah. don't judge it on that because that's one of the that's something that's actually pretty terrible that they added in in my opinion no. anyways it was terrible so I can agree with you on that yeah. but every every review I listened to or everything I read about it all made the same like they all think they're making a clever joke they're like it's four hours but it could be three if they just got rid of the slow motion and i'm like oh god no god i'd be so angry if... <laughs> uh yeah we'll get that into it a, we'll, we'll have a big spoilery discussion at the end yeah i was yeah, gonna say that's the, are, uh, the slow mo is one of my complaints it's just it, it's a Zack snyder thing it's um it's it's all Zack snyder things yeah yeah <laughs> I just don't get I just don't get why people fucking like him so much. The shit that he thinks makes a good movie doesn't make a good movie. I agree. Yeah. I also when reviewing this stumbled across his defense of the Martha scene and his response was something to the effect of people don't understand emotional moments in film if they don't if they didn't think that moment was stupid. And I just We'll probably just never watch another Zack Snyder movie again. <laughs> if I mean, it, it, I was gonna say that's so fucking arrogant. It's like, of course oh. we get it. It just was an unearned, stupid shit moment. Yeah, yeah. It was, and it, it was enough. That movie moment was so utterly stupid that it would have ruined that movie had the movie been good. Conveniently, the movie was also not good in many, many other ways. <laughs> Luckily, there's no confusion because yeah. the whole thing sucked. <laughs> it's. Yeah. I still remember walking out of the theaters after seeing that, and there was like a group of us, and the one guy just. We all stopped and we were just looking at each other, and the one guy just. I don't even know the guy. He was just a friend of a friend. And, well, you know, I, I expected it to be bad, but I didn't expect it to be so aggressively bad. <laughs> and that's how I feel <laughs> about that movie. <sighs> yeah, my friend Mike. My my friend Mike tried to talk himself into liking the Suicide Squad movie. Oh yeah, <clears throat> man, my throat's all raspy. I don't know why. Um, when it was over, he's like, "Oh, come on, that was pretty good." And I'm like, "No, that was terrible." <laughs> no. He's like, well, "What do you want?" I'm like, "Something good. That wasn't good." Yeah. I was like, oh, "Number I one, I could tell you the biggest problem is." Suicide Squad should not be facing down world world ending threats. That's that's Justice League stuff. This is ridiculous. Secondly, the ending they faced it down by effectively all getting in a room and treating it the way teachers treat kindergarten classes that won't be quiet by flicking the lights on and off over and over again. Yeah, until it's I don't over. Even, I don't even remember what the how they wrapped that movie up. I thought it was so I, bad. That's how they did it. It's, it's it's all confusing. I mean, not not only are they fighting a world-ending threat, but it's the Suicide Squad, which is a group of uh, deplorable assholes that you're kind of just supposed to get on their side because yeah. of the charisma factor, going up against a character who's like a pitiable villain. Yeah, yeah. 
Which is just, it's such strange. You were were on their side because they had that one moment in the bar where they just randomly decided to be good guys for no reason that was explained elsewhere in the film. Yeah. And I'm just like, Suicide Squad is sent in to kill, like, horrible dictators and stuff like that. Not uh, powerful super beings. Well, yeah. So terrible. let I me mean, re- Suicide me Squad should have been like DC's version of like a Deadpool movie. Yeah, it should it should have just been like vile and crazy. I, I, I just want to reassure you guys, though, because what you're saying here is that they've like kind of disrespected the comics and aren't taking the storylines appropriately and treating the characters appropriately. But as somebody who knew nothing about the Suicide Squad going into the movie, it still sucks. So it doesn't. Sure. It, it's but not saying, like it's not like <laughs> that's the problem. I'm so. just saying you look at the the collection of characters in that movie, even if you don't know anything about them, you're like, oh, well, this isn't Superman and Wonder Woman and Batman. These aren't like super beings that are super powerful that can stop the world from ending. Like this is like a street level team that has to take, you know. Like I said, fucking dictators or, you know, crazy people who aren't going to end the world, but might blow up New York City or something. Like, those are the people they deal with. Yeah. Well, I don't care who they deal with, because I don't know. I don't even know if I'll see the new one. If it involves paying for it, it might not bother, because it's still part of it all. Well, it's going to be on HBO Max, so I'm definitely going to watch it. So we'll see. It's basically free to me. That means I'll be waiting a while to see it because yeah. yeah, I, I have a little bit more confidence it, with James Gunn at the uh, sure, at the helm of it. So James Gunn and a whole lot of uh, good actors and one bad actor. Who's the bad actor? That fucking douchebag from Saturday Night Live. I can't fucking remember his name. Mm. Pete Davidson's fine. Yeah, Pete Davidson. He's just a fucking douche. He's fine. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to make a whole career out of being a douche anymore. I don't know if he's done that. He's a stand-up comic, but it's it's new. It's a new rule. Yeah, but his entire stand-up comic bit is that he's a douche. I watched his stand-up. I didn't think it was all about him being a douche. You sure? Yeah. Guess he's a douche. I think he's just somebody who got sort of super famous and then did a bunch of horrible drugs and is depressed all the time. Yeah, I don't know. So be it. I don't have a problem with him. I find it weird that he's in this movie, but, you know, I'll I'll reserve judgment, I guess, until I see what he does. The funniest thing he ever did was the Saturday Night Live skit on the Halloween episode where Jim Carrey was absolutely fucking beating the dog shit out of him with a rubber baseball bat. I don't even know what that is. Oh, my God. I'm sure I saw it, but I don't. Like Pete Davidson, Jim Carrey, because it's a zombie thing where it's supposed to be his son's a zombie and he's trying to get into the... uh, the safe zone or whatever, and they won't let him in because he's got his son with him who's clearly a zombie. <laughs> and he keeps, like, hitting Pete Davison with this rubber bat. And about halfway through, 
I, you kind of realize that he's actually hurting Pete Davidson and that Jim Carrey's just like doing everything he can not to bust up laughing and then like hits him four more times just for no fucking reason. It's <laughs> uh, really good. Yeah. Well, I guess rather than talk about a movie that's not even out yet, should we talk about the movies we're here to talk about? You mean the eye patches we're here to talk? Eye patch week. I guess I could have done some kind of a clever segue about hitting him in the eye and putting his eye out or something. (laughs) No, no, that's that's not that's not for this podcast. Clever segues do not belong here. Plus, I think eye patch week deserves more of a better intro than some lame segue like that. I'm not going to lie to you, the, it's kind of disrespectful to Eye Patch Week that we talked about so many shitty movies before we got around <laughs> to the eye patches. Uh, yeah, I was watching uh, Escape from New York when Amanda got home. She's like, how are you doing this for the show? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, what'd you team it up with? And I'm like, uh, Captain Ron, obviously. And she's like, oh my god. I'm like, yeah, it's Eye Patch Week. <laughs> She's like, she's like, did you come up with that? I'm like, you're damn right I did. It's, in all fairness, we should probably end the podcast now because we're not having a better idea than that much week. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Noah, do you want to tell us about Captain Ron? Uh, Captain Ron is your stereotypical... Uh, movie where a family is introduced to a character who interjects chaos into their midst and they learn to be a more loving family because of it. It's basically Harry and the Hendersons on the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. No, it's it's extremely stereotypical. Right. Uh, So Kurt Russell plays Captain Ron who's kind of this uh, lovable, griftery piece of shit guy. Who's actually, if you pay attention to the movie, who's actually pretty fucking good at his job. He is. He's actually like, he's he's almost like an idiot savant. Like, (laughs) right. He's so good at his job that it seems like he's fucking up, but it's actually like brilliant. Right. Is that Uh, correct? Because... He gets them lost an awful lot of times. But, <laughs> well, and because but, of the type of movie it is, they're like, well, it's okay that we're lost, but. Well, but the getting lost bits and stuff, a, a bunch of it's not really his fault. But who I would. I mean, I, I think in retrospect, I watching this movie, I Martin Short's really the one who's like fucking everything up. I. I can't believe we're going to have to get into a disagreement about the plot of Captain Ron. Finish your description and we'll argue this shit out, I guess. Yeah, so so they've got uh, Martin Short, who is the dad, who I, I don't quite understand his motivations. I think it's just he's trying to do that live life to your fullest. Let's go have an adventure and be a family thing uh, while his wife just wants to fucking get some work done. While he's trying to go get his shitty cockroach boat from the <laughs> other side of the world. Uh, they have a son who's kind of a, a doofus who is clearly like reaching out for attention. 
which is weirdly ironic due to the fact that supposedly Martin Short's character is just trying to do that thing, but completely ignoring the one character who actually wants his attention. <laughs> well, it's the typical late 80s, early 90s setup for a family where they're so caught up in the day-to-day grind and they've been sucked into the world of capitalism. And so the mom and dad spend all of their time working and the kids get ignored and the kids start acting out and then they all have to learn to love each other and not spend so much time at the office. Right. And they've got a daughter who's somewhere between 15 and 25. <laughs> I, thought, I thought they said she they was say 16. 16. They do yeah. say she's 16 in the movie. I'm not sure yeah. how old the actress yeah. was. Who yeah. is upsettingly skanky in this movie. <laughs> Upsettingly skanky. I think it should be the name of someone's memoir. Oh my god! <laughs> like there was there was more than once where I was watching this movie where I was like, Jesus Christ, who wrote this? I actually think it's a not entirely unreasonable depiction of an attention-starved teenage girl. Yeah, you're not far off. Which is which is true and fine, but you combine that with the fact. That, like, whoever's doing the wardrobe and whoever's shooting the movie kind of, like, this movie has a a very obvious leering gaze whenever it comes to the 16-year-old daughter, which is really gross. I I don't know. I, I, I think you and I watch different movies at some point here. I, I, I don't like, know. There's def- I mean, there are definitely individual the outfit, moments. The outfit in the she's wearing at the end of the movie isn't even like a bathing suit top. She's literally just wearing like a bra and shorts for the last 20 minutes of the movie. It's really weird. I think it's a bathing suit top. I think it's supposed to be a, a fashion bathing suit expert, top. But I don't, yeah. I'm not a fashion expert, but I think pretty much the difference between them woman in a bra and a woman in a bikini top is whether they tell you it's a bikini top or a bra. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, like, they look there's, kind of the same. There's a difference in, like, the cut and the way they lay and stuff. You know, <laughs> bathing suits don't typically have, like, underwire. <laughs> but once, I, once again, it's like, just, uh, I don't, there's just something about it. It's gross. It border, I, it's, I, it's borderline pedophilic. Okay. No, I feel like they, they do linger on her but i feel like they do it to the mom as well yeah but doing it to the mom is fine (laughs) i'm sorry i'm sorry you're completely misrepresenting this film okay okay first of all time and place it was not nearly as inappropriate to it was not deemed as inappropriate by society to sexualize a 16 year old girl in 1990 whatever too as it is now secondly you're acting as if they they horror her up and all that. Like she wears, she, they don't even think we see her in a full bikini at any point in time in the movie. Like she's not completely undressed. There are some moments where Captain Ron leers at her, but he's called out for it. It's not like it's considered appropriate. We don't like. There's we don't. I don't. I don't see this in the movie at all the way you do. I think you're being way oversensitive. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I that I'm, might be I, true. I. I I think right. part of the part of the problem is the difference between most '80s movies where they sexualize teenagers. Those teenagers are being played by 35 year old women, and everyone knows it. And in this movie, she looks like a child. Like I don't, I'm not disagreeing with you that she looks 16 ish, but I I don't, I just don't see how they're like overly sexualizing her the way you're implying it. It's again, 
like the movie takes place on a boat and she's wearing usually some kind of bottoms be it a skirt or shorts and a bikini top through much of it and she puts on dresses and shirts when they go ashore right uh, and, and running off know. to hook off hook up with like 20 dudes who don't speak english yes yeah but again it's, but, it's, but an, exag- girl... it's an exaggerated concept of what happens when you take right. a starve for attention teenage girl on yeah. vacation it is it is exaggerated but it is pretty this is like a real thing that happens don't have teenage girls around because if you take them on vacation they sneak off to meet up with guys and get themselves into troublesome situations it's a thing right once again i'm not entirely disagreeing with you i'm just i'm just saying it was like i, I don't know on the rewatch of this it was almost too much where i was like jesus fucking christ does I, it happen every two seconds I don't I don't get it at all where I'm just like compared to stuff we talk about on this podcast and compared to like other like comedies from five or ten years previous to this. I don't see that at all in this movie. Like it's very tame. Like even when you say, oh, she's running off to hook up with all these guys, but we don't see anything like she leans into a car window and chats with a guy. Right. It's very uh, once again, it's very PG ish. But they just keep heavily implying weird things. Once again, I I think it feels it feels weird. It feels like the person making it was way too into it. Uh, I think it, I would call it the Kelly Bundy effect. When you have Kelly Bundy on Married Children, and she's you know in high school, and they pretty much just play her up as kidding around a lot. Sure. Yeah. Maybe that's just something that was in the but air at that time. And I also think, though, what you're making an, int- uh, an interesting point, which is that like you could easily show this on television. That's how tame it is. Like it's it's yeah. probably less raunchy than what went on on Married to Children, which was on TV at the same time. That's true. Right. So, uh, I, I, I don't know why I'm like why this is what we're arguing about all of a sudden, but it well, just it just feels I'm like you're even, like I'm laying not even trying to argue for with something. I, I agree. I agree with most of your points. I don't. I don't think that it's pornographic. That's not the point I'm making. Like, I just I don't understand. Like you're you're implying that if if any movie implies that someone under the age of eighteen has any form of sexuality whatsoever, then it's automatically pedophilic that is that is not remotely what i said (laughs) i I just don't get like you i I don't get from i i just feel like in in this movie it's it's every single scene she's in and that's a lot that's a lot of scenes she almost she almost has no character arc other than oh maybe i should spend slightly more time with my family instead of fucking all these rando guys on islands that is her character arc is that she goes seeking attention from random guys and inappropriate guys. And she learns to spend, to get that attention from her family instead by behaving positively instead of negatively. That that's her character arc. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know. It's just something, it's just a tonal thing. It's, it's probably 100% in my head. It's probably, it's even probably the juxtaposition that I agree with you that for the most part, this isn't like, an 80s movie you know what i mean like it's not yeah overt or anything but then you have this i i don't know this the, the way of framing this character in that like let's go back to the harry and the hendersons analogy <laughs> harry and the hendersons if you made them have a slutty teenage daughter wouldn't it be fucking weird 
Okay, but Harry and the Hendersons is meant to be a kids' film, and this is meant to be more of a, a slightly more adult version of that. Right, right, but but that's what I'm saying. Like a slightly more adult version, but it it's still it's that same thing. There's there's something tonally wrong about that. I don't know what it is, but it's there. I don't know. People can write in, write in, and tell me I'm fucking wrong. Did uh, and, did we forget to mention that Kurt Russell's in this movie? Yeah. yeah I, I assume everyone knows. I assume everybody knows that who that Captain Ron is played by Kurt Russell. Yeah. I guess. I'm just I'm just trying to get us back on track. Kurt Russell with a glass eye. <laughs> with a glass Most eye that he says a shark ate his eye, and I do not believe that story at all, by the way. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's so funny the idea that a shark would yeah. eat out just your eye. <laughs> Leave no other scarring. Maybe it was like one of those. Uh, um, I was gonna point out like a hammerhead, not a hammerhead, but like, isn't there a shark with like a pointy nose? There's a bunch of sharks with pointy noses. Yeah. Well, yeah. There you go. Maybe that's what it was. Right. Poked him right in the eye. I don't know. I don't know why it my was, voice. It was, my a, voice it was a goblin down. shark. It like Maybe. fired its teeth out of its mouth and sucked his eyeball out of the skull. Have, if, okay, so let's now we never into this deep analysis of the shark attack that happened in some story that it, before the movie. But we know what happened off the coast of Australia, the Great so Barrier Reef. Yeah, so we know that there's. It's I, one of the best, one of the best fucking jokes in the whole movie. I hit, <laughs> I hit some reef off the coast of Australia. Damn thing with the whole length of the. <laughs> He's like, I didn't realize it was there. And she's like, the Great Barrier Reef? <laughs> Smart lady. The, like the only <laughs> reef in the world that everybody can name? <laughs> the one that can be seen from space? That one? <laughs> I liked What I liked actually in that same conversation was a minute before was when uh, he's telling the story about the shark attack. And he's like, yeah, boat went down off the coast of Australia. And he's like, you sunk your boat? No, no. Not my boat, it's my boss's boat. <laughs> <laughs> the casual nature of which he says that just makes me laugh. And he he uses that tone like consistently throughout the movie to make me laugh, where he's just like same thing when he's talking about the pirates of the Caribbean and he's saying it all casually and everybody thinks he's nuts. <laughs> and you know, the gorillas and all the, all those same things that keep coming up throughout the movie. Diesel engines eat oil. Yeah, everybody knows that. Why is that? Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> He's just full of shit is all it is. That's for some reason that makes him into a likable character. And I mean, obviously that reason is Kurt Russell's charisma. Oh well, my God. The, the funny He's thing so is, good. I, don't, I don't think he is full of shit. Cause once again, in the movie, he's, he's pretty much right on about everything he says. Okay. Except he's the guy in charge of driving the boat. And he, like multiple times goes to the wrong island and when he gets to the wrong island he's like oh shit this happened to me last time too <laughs> so well, this happens to him regularly well yeah but so so the first time they overshoot it because he's sleeping and martin short's driving the boat no which that's the, that's the only time they get where they're going that's the time where they pull up to the, the first stop and he wakes up and does that cool parking job and then of course they destroy the map and all that kind of stuff uh Who does, they destroy the map 
Well, he does. I, <laughs> okay. Again, I'm not. I'm not saying he isn't a fucking idiot, but I'm saying when it comes to piloting the boat and everything he tells them about the boat and about safety measures, about the places they're going, he's right about every single one of them. Sure, he's knowledgeable about that, but he also drives the boat to the wrong spot. Right. Well, that's what happens whenever you're playing drinking uh, Monopoly for real money with a child. <laughs> So, Doug, Doug, what I think you're missing is I think Captain Ron should almost be looked at as more like a fairy godmother. <clears throat> oh, my fucking well, yes. voice. Jesus. In, um, he gives them what they need, not what they actually want. In in the archetype character, he's that mythical figure that wanders into the family, teaches them all a lesson, and wanders out. Yeah. And, but... To argue that he's good at being a boat captain, a good boat no, captain, no, no, no. you end up on the island you're trying to end up on. That's all I'm saying. He's good at being Captain Ron. Yes. yes. Well, that's all I'm saying. It was, Again, yeah, the same. I still, I still think he would be a good boat captain. I think if you put him on the boat by himself, he's getting where he's going. <laughs> but he what are you basing that on? Because he doesn't. Well, I mean, he has been to all these places before, implying he's, not, he's made it there in the past. Suggesting that he was not supposed to be at any of these islands ever. Like, he literally has a girlfriend on an island that he only ever goes to by mistake. <laughs> like, he's there so often that she's, like, just waiting for him because she knows he'll fuck up again. <laughs> Yes, I, yes, he's good at, like, he teaches them important lessons because they end up on some the wrong island, but it's very nice, and they get to spend some time there together. But he, as a boat captain, I You're going to want those guns. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> well, see, that's all part of it, too, though, because if, if, captain Ron, if they didn't know who Captain Ron was and get pissed off at him in the first place, <laughs> then they wouldn't have needed the guns to fight off the pirates. So... Mm. Because it was really Captain Ron that owed that girl money, and that's why the pirates started chasing him. Sure. So it's like, yeah, he knew that in his world you need guns a lot because you are always pissing people off. Come on, he's Captain Ron. Captain Ron, hey. I do like the scene toward the end of the movie where they just call out the fact that uh, the writers got real fucking lazy. (laughs) Which scene was that? So... They're, they get their boat stolen and they're on the dinghy and yeah. they manage to somehow drift back to the correct island. Not not just the correct island, but right next to where their boat's being stored, yeah. where Captain Ron just so happens to also be having stolen a car to yeah. somehow come help them. Did they even explain how Captain Ron got there? No. Okay. Uh, that's that's what I'm saying. They call they it's, it is lazy writing. Says yeah. something about it about doesn't this all seem just way too convenient? What are the odds <laughs> of that? It is pretty miss. No, but he does he does give like an odd look whenever uh, they they fire him, and he he knows that that Roscoe guy is going to be um, following them. He does give kind of like a oh shit look, so See, he knows he's so he's going to have to. So your theory Stop is it. Captain Ron went to it's Cuba is the island they're on. Yeah. I think he went there knowing that's where Roscoe goes. And then so I think to, he uh, coincidence. I think he followed the uh the boat. Okay. No. All right. 
I don't know if he knew specifically it was Cuba, but he's like, ah, oh, shit, they're going to steal that boat. I should probably follow and see what happens. Alright. I'm fine with that logic. I, For the nature of the movie that this is, I, I, I'm fine with just them saying, oh, that is weird that we all ended up here on Cuba. The part of the whole thing that made me laugh was Martin Short and his family freaking out because they landed in Cuba. Because it's such a just a it's cultural communist. difference. Because honestly, like as a Canadian, if I landed in Cuba, I'd be like, oh, thank goodness it's Cuba. At least I know it's safe here. <laughs> <laughs> just going to tell them I'm Canadian and they'll just mm. hand me a cigar and pat me on the back and send me on my way. Oh, not, not if you're an American. Fuck that. Actually, you know what? I don't think they'd care if you're American. They'd care if you had no money to pay for your hotel room. <laughs> be like, no, come spend money at our resorts, but we don't care. I don't think they'd care if Americans was, go down there. I was gonna say they're getting they're getting more all right with Americans all the time. Yeah, but I'm saying that 1992 Cuba. I don't know. But I'm not even sure if the average <sighs> Cuban person would have cared at that point. Maybe the government. Oh, probably probably not. But yeah, like the, the government was what I would be I worried about. Because it's really you guys that hate them. It's really not. Yeah, it doesn't go that, the other way so much. Yeah, it's it's been ridiculous, and they should have fixed that whole situation a long time ago. But it's it's it is absolutely hilarious if you're like, because Canadians vacation in Cuba a lot, and we have to like fly out to the coast and fly around your country to get down there because <laughs> we're not allowed to fly over it. And it's like it's so ridiculous, and you're like literally like if you're in the plane, if you're on the right side, you can look out and see like the shoreline, and we're just flying alongside it the whole way down. Yeah, so well, we can't we can't go over there. They don't like now, it. with the, with the new rules about the the lifts on some of that stuff. So now Americans can go to Cuba, but we can only go to Cuba for educational purposes. There's like this specific thing. So if you take a cruise to Cuba, you have to stay in Cuba for two days because the first day you have to take educational tours and stuff in order to be. <laughs> it's not. Like, isn't most of what tourists do when they go to places like that? Yeah. Considered educational? Like, you just go to a museum and there you go. Yeah. It's semantics at this point. You go into into Havana and you look at a couple of museums and you have a drink at that bar that Ernest Hemingway used to get drunk and then you move on. This is our Death to Capitalism Museum. No shit. Um, So I read that they originally considered Steve Martin for the Martin Short rule. Yeah. Which I feel like I could totally see. Oh, I could see either one. Like, I think Martin Short does a good job, but you sure Steve Martin would be great too, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's such a generic 80s dad trope yeah. that you could plug just about any of those people in, and it still works. I mean, Chevy Chase is the dad, still works. Yeah. I just feel like Martin Short is specifically known for a lot of his physical attributes, you know, just sort of the yeah zany sort ofness like if you look at inner space like that's perfect for him yeah but he holds, Steve, back, he holds Steve, back a lot in this movie yes does, yeah whereas i could see steve martin playing playing this role perfectly yeah like martin short's fine it's just when you say steve martin you're kind of like oh yeah i could totally see him in this role yeah i'd have no problem with that because like the the scenes where he blows up steve martin would be funny doing that yeah, I like Martin. I totally. like Martin Short in the movie, though. I have to say, I found him. Yeah, and I think a lot, like a lot, like we've said repeatedly, like <laughs> this is just one long trope of a movie. Like everything is so predictable and so just, and it's but the movie is enjoyable to watch, and it's because yeah. of the natural charisma and the natural likableness of the two. Oh leads. yeah, for and sure. That's, all, that's like that. If you 
if you tried to make this movie on a smaller budget so you couldn't get Kurt Russell and, and Martin Short, this movie would be atrocious. You would just shake your head the whole time. Did, but it's because did, it's those guys. Did either of you guys feel like uh, this performance by Kurt Russell feels a little phoned in? No. No. I, I, maybe some of it's just sort of Captain Ron's laid back. Yeah. sort of attitude about stuff maybe i don't know i just it's, felt like a lot of his affectations like the way he talks and stuff you're like what the fuck is kurt russell doing right now <laughs> like, i don't yeah no i don't agree with that at all like, i thought little... he did it great no like i thought he created this i mean it, it's a cartoonish character but it is it is sort of like what would happen if snake Plissken just smoked a little too much weed constantly had a beer in his hand like i think this is what he would turn into like it's stuck in the caribbean just smoking just, weed all the time just yeah. loosen up just as it's like it is because we've talked about it all month now about how kurt russell kind of has like this natural version of himself that comes through no matter what character he's playing and yeah that comes through here too but he is that once again he's like kind of contextualized it to be what if what if that character that Kurt Russell is was suddenly just living his life in the Caribbean, driving people's boats around? It doesn't seem like that bad of a life. No, honestly, it's like I know people like that exist, and part of me just thinks like, how did you end up like that, and why didn't I? Like, <laughs> right? Like, I really, I was getting ready to say. Speaking of which, the end of this movie, what the fuck is their plan? The family? They yeah. Don't have one. That's what I'm saying. They're like, we're going to keep this boat and just cruise around the Caribbean. It's like, you know, that's that's great and all. Uh, you got to eat. Oh, did you see that? How, like, they're going to have to pull in at some point in time and call a uh, stockbroker and shit. But did you see where they were living? They have money. And they have, if they sell off that stuff that they were living in in Chicago, in Chicago they're going to be fine. Although, I guess they said they had two mortgages on the house. So that might be problematic. <laughs> right, I was getting ready to say, they could sell that house and owe the house still. Yeah. It's such a weird concept, that 80s idea that everybody just casually had two mortgages on their house. Can, are you even yeah. allowed to do that now? And you, you, you can. Oh, yeah. You know what the craziest part of it is? Is in the 80s, fucking interest rates were high as fuck. Yeah, yeah. So not only did they have two mortgages on the house, they were probably paying seven or eight or nine percent interest on that fucking loan. Yeah, it's crazy. It's horrifying. It's horrifying to think about it. It like makes me ill. So I took it as they were going to spend like another couple weeks out on the ocean or whatever that they weren't in a hurry to go home. Like they yeah, I, originally I don't had the, been. Sorry, go ahead. I, just like they originally had been like in a big hurry. Like we have to get home. We have to get home. And so now it seems like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's hang out on the ocean for another couple weeks. Uh, I'm going to assume they won't get rid of the boat. They'll just store it somewhere down there. And they'll just learn to not be so, uh, so, uh, uh, scheduled in their life. Like Martin Short was at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. I think the, the idea is that they've learned to live life more, you know, fly by the seat of your pants kind of style. And they'll, yeah, they'll continue doing that, but the exact nature of it isn't laid out. Again, yeah. it's not not the type of movie yeah. we're supposed to be thinking about this yeah. much. Yeah, I don't feel like the family has given up their life to become Captain Ron, essentially. Although that I would have been funny. 
Yeah. They'll go back to their life at some point, but they're just not in a hurry. Like they started out at the beginning of the movie. Well, and it, I think we hope that they've learned a lesson and that they, when they go back to their life, it won't be as rigid. Yeah. It won't be. Totally. Know, maybe, maybe downsized to a rational sized house, not one of those like houses like from the that the McAllisters lived in. <laughs> with, the, with only one mortgage. Uh, any favorite Captain Ron moments? Get your own damn beer. <laughs> That's <laughs> my, yeah. My brother used to say that all the time. You want beer? Thing. You get your own beer. The whole thing when uh, when he's playing playing for money with the kid, and the kid's like, "That's half the money I got left." He's like, "Well, shit happens." <laughs> you owe me two fifty for the beer as well. <laughs> That's what he says to him. I do like. I also like the part where the later the son is playing Monopoly for money with the fucking Freedom Fighters. Yeah. And the it's son's repeated. basically like, pay up, bitch. <laughs> Shit happens. Yeah. I, yeah, the, the way they repeated it was fun. And when the, I liked that when the kid, his glasses broke during a storm or whatever, and then they had to give him the eye patch. He started to look <laughs> like Captain Ron. And when he finally comes out of that crowd at the end, and he's just, he's got that fake tattoo, and he's carrying a beard, and he's got his eye patch on. That made me happy. Yeah. <laughs> Which apparently, uh, that was one of Kurt Russell's big concerns about the movie, was the portrayal of underage drinking. Really? Apparently, that that's what caught his attention. See, that's super weird to me, because like, 92, like in the 80s, dads gave kids their beer. I don't know if people remember this or not, but it wasn't that uncommon for dad to be like, yeah, you can have a sip of my beer. And you'd be yeah. like 10 and your dad would just let you have a couple of gulps of beer and you'd move on with your day. And nobody thought anything of it. Like it would happen in public and nobody cared. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like now we act like it's this big tragedy. Uh, yeah. So apparently the director had to be like, no, you're not advocating underage drinking. Captain Ron would be advocating underage drinking. And that apparently was enough to turn Kurt Russell around on it. See, I feel as though this is what happened, though, because you should be upset about this, Brian, because this is what turned him into libertarian Kurt Russell right here. I guess so, yeah. A nice, normal guy who was worried about children, and they're like, no, kids should be allowed to do whatever the hell they want. It's the high season. He's like, good point. We should all be allowed to do whatever the hell we want. Everyone should own a gun. That's what God he said. I think, that's, I think it's because of Captain Ron that he feels that way now. Does this look like a cold sore to you? No, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, don't make me sad. We're talking about Kurt Russell. Don't don't remind me. <laughs> oh. <sighs> yeah. What other moments were great? I mean, there, honestly, like it, this movie for me wasn't about the moments. It was just more about just kind of constantly being happy that I was watching it. You know, what yeah. I mean? like just yeah. all the subtle little interactions between Martin Short and Kurt Russell were more important than the big like moments where Martin Short just kept getting <laughs> knocked off the boat. I liked, I liked where they're in the, they're in the storm and the map flies away and the compass falls off. That was there's, funny. There's, there's just a quiet beat and then all of a sudden Martin Short just rushes them and starts choking them. <laughs> well, that part wasn't wasn't Captain Ron's fault, but it was yeah when he's like, all we need is our map and our compass. That's all we've ever needed. And the map just immediately blows away. <laughs> well, all Columbus had to find the new world was just his trusty compass flies away. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, he just breaks down, starts choking him. Oh yeah, he's he's gone delirious. I've seen this before. This makes me believe he's been choked multiple times by oh, yeah, multiple yeah. bosses. Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, you know, it was a good fun moment was when uh, so Martin Short and the wife are having sex in the shower and everything <laughs> yeah. goes awry and now they're going to drown in there until Captain Ron comes by and saves them. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but they're standing out there and the wife's now hiding in the shower and Martin, Sh- Martin Short's standing there naked. And Captain Ron's like, well, uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll help you clean this up. And he grabs the mop and starts trying to clean up the water on the floor. And Martin Short's like, no, like, look, it's it's fine. Just, just please go upstairs now. <laughs> Do you want me to shut the door? <laughs> and then there's that moment when he gets upstairs and the kid's like, what was all that noise? Ah, parents are just paying, uh, playing hide the salami in the shower. <laughs> the kid spits his beer everywhere. <laughs> there was a lot of fun moments in this movie, actually. Yeah, it surprisingly holds up a lot better than I think it should. Yeah. Uh, anything else, I guess? I don't know. It. I mean, despite some of the arguments we've had about it, it sounds like we all enjoyed the film overall, right? It's right. Yeah. It's just a. It's just a very simple comedy that's just kind of like yeah. the very predictable trajectory for a film like this but it, because of the likable characters it's fun to watch mm-hmm. I agree uh, another thing I read which I don't know if it's true or not but IMDB wouldn't lie to me is they were initially going to ask uh, John Carpenter to direct it and what? apparently he said he totally would have done it but uh, they ended up going in a different direction. Yeah, I don't know that this is right in John Carpenter's wheelhouse. I think that changes it quite a bit. I don't either, but I think that's maybe what he was was kind of excited about. It's like, oh, I get to do yeah. like a weird comedy? I'll totally do that. I mean, I'd be curious to see how it would turn out, but I feel like tonally it would be a very different movie. Because was this around the time of his uh, Invisible Man movie? It'd be right around there, yeah. Oh, same year. So yeah, this this would have been uh, this would have been probably at least on his radar to like yeah try to do something a little different. I'm <clears> guessing, <throat> yeah. But that didn't do well, so maybe maybe that had a hand in it too. I don't know. Probably, I haven't seen that in years. I should probably rewatch it one of these yeah. days. I bought it on Blu-ray, but I haven't watched it. Now we're putting it on the list. <laughs> Um, all right, so everybody should watch Captain Ron. We all had a great time with it. I think we're all like, is it safe to say we're all surprised that it, we enjoyed it as much as we did? Uh, yeah, because for some reason, my family talked about this movie all the time, like my mom and my brother and stuff. And that just kind of led me to believe, oh, my God, they're unsophisticated palates. <laughs> There's no way this movie could be good. Like, I've seen it before, but it's been, you know, I was probably, like, 12. Yeah, so, like probably I, when it came out, but... Yeah, like, I saw it a few times back when it was new, but I definitely didn't see it. Like, post-high school, for sure, I never saw it, so... Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Doug, do you want to tell us how Captain Ron transitioned from being in the Caribbean to being a prisoner well, on Manhattan Island in 1997? Continuing with our theme of movies where Kurt Russell plays a 
military veteran who wears an eye patch because they're shockingly specific beams that seem to hold up all the time. Um, I don't know. Do we, I guess the plot description for Escape from New York is uh, uh, Manhattan Island has been walled off and turned into a maximum security prison where they simply dump all of the nation's prisoners. The president's plane crashes in there and he's carrying some very important documentation that he needs for a summit. And they, uh, at the same day, by sheer coincidence, two-time Purple Heart winner Snake Pliskin is being transferred to the prison. So they offer him a deal. If he can get the president out in time to get the important information to the summit, then he will be let go. And just for fun, they inject some things in his neck that are going to blow up if he doesn't get out in time which is really kind of a needless plot point. Um, and yeah, so he... I don't know if it's needless. It's, well, I mean, the, the clock for when those things are going to blow up is exactly the same for the clock for when he's got to get the president out by. So, Sure, but I, having, I think having it's... Two things it, counting down to the same time is a bit weird. It's there to keep him from just being like, oh, fuck these people, taking off in his hang glider. Well, I guess. Anyways, so... Either yeah, way. Well, the vast majority of the movie is him making his way through decrepit post-apocalyptic Manhattan and, you know, meeting up with all the wacky characters. He goes into the uh, sewers where the crazies live, including the most famous crazy of all, Crazy Ralph. He (laughs) makes friends with a cabbie named Cabbie. He has to fight the Duke of New York, who's Isaac Hayes. Um, one of the guys from People Under the Stairs is there for some reason. <laughs> he looks, and I thought he wore a lot of makeup in People Under the Stairs, but it turns out not really. <laughs> um, yeah, and then he eventually finds the president, gets him out, and he's free uh, to go. Uh, once again, a movie with a stacked cast. Oh Kurt my god! Yeah, like Kurt Russell, <laughs> like Donald Pleasance is the president. Tom Atkins' mustache is one of the guards on, or probably the only guard on the 50-foot wall around, because why would you need another one? Um, yeah, like, Ernst Borgnine plays Cabby, Harry Dean Stanton plays a significant role, Adrian Barbeau is in this. Isaac Hayes, uh, like you mentioned. Yeah, I haven't looked, I'm not, this isn't me looking at a cast list, this is me going off of who do I remember seeing when I watched the movie. <laughs> I'm trying to see, trying, now I'm going to check and see if there's anybody I really missed, but. Uh, Lee Van Cleef. That's yes. sort of the uh, the main guy running the prison. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're a John Carpenter fan, uh, Charles Cipher, who played the sheriff in Halloween, plays the. Uh, I don't know. He's like the connection between the prison and the White House, or whatever. I. Uh, yeah, sort of. Didn't, I, I just I'm just now piecing together that, that was him. I don't even think I realized it because. Yeah. It's so hard to pick it up with all these people showing up. Yeah. Uh, someone assume we're all big fans of this movie. Seems reasonable. Unless Noah's going to chime in. I mean, why would why wouldn't you be? Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> this, I can't imagine Noah's not a fan of this movie. John Carpenter's post-apocalyptic New York. I, I well, not just all that too, because this this movie's so great. Because this is basically just John Carpenter giving everybody the middle finger. Yeah, no, totally. That's I, kind I, of I a mean, lot what of John wild. Carpenter movies are that. 
<laughs> well, I I feel like a lot of John Carpenter movies are him going, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Yeah. And But this one is actually him going, you're all fucking stupid and your ideas are stupid. <laughs> your society's stupid and yeah. your fucking labels for everybody is stupid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, just, it's, it's interesting that like the politics of this movie are very much uh, there's no one in this movie <laughs> that's like <laughs> that it isn't making fun of, if that makes sense. Because yeah. even even Snake, to a certain extent, is like making fun of people who think that they're this badass guy. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He's clearly he's a caricature of an action hero in in a way that almost in the way that uh, Snake from. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China. It's almost the same idea, just done in a different way. Whereas this is more of a parody, and that was more of a, a mocking of action heroes. Oh. But the whole thing when they send him in there dressed up like a wrestler, because he's wearing like tights and big boots, and he's got that lo- uh, giant hair, and I'm like, he looks just like a wrestler. And then I'm like, oh yeah, wait, he's gonna wrestle a guy later <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> like, it's. The whole thing is is very entertaining to watch, and it's just, and then it's just on a superficial level. Once he's in this, and he's just, there's just all these cool gangs and shit, and you're like, just, even if you want to ignore all of the commentary, just to have fun with the movie, you can do that too. So, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I I always thought the politics of the movie are extra interesting because the outside world is this. Uh, overly controlling and and falsely veneered like fascist ethno state basically yeah mm. but then you go inside the prison where everyone can kind of do whatever they want and it's just this sort of psychotic libertarian everybody's fucking out for themselves <laughs> bullshit world and you're like oh both both places suck I get it yeah <laughs> and then snake just ends up being an agent of chaos who disrupts both in really needless ways. Like, that's the funny thing, right? Because, <laughs> right. like, even at the very end of the movie, and I guess we're kind of jumping ahead, but he gets the president out, gets the thingies out of his neck, so he's going to be free now. But he he messes up the tapes, seemingly on purpose, to prevent world peace from happening? Because yeah. why? Why does he do that? Like he's just he's just because he's a dick, right? Like there's not another reason. Well, I think it's him fighting against what would be a falsified world peace. It would just be a big show, like kind of like how everything usually is. Yeah, but that's better than being at war, right? You would think so, but apparently not according to John Carpenter. I think, yeah, I think it's just, and I don't know that sometimes I think too, like John Carpenter puts a lot of politics into his films and then he does stuff like at the end, just cause it's kind of funny. And I don't think it's necessarily as well thought out, um, which is fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that, especially in a movie like this where we've already had so much chaos and insanity. Yeah. Basically just to reiterate that uh, snake doesn't fight for, for your world beast. He just fights yeah. for himself. Yeah. Again, being sort of the parody of the action hero, you know, there's there's a reason yeah. why 
commando got in the plane and flew off on his own instead of getting back together with the army at the end of his. It's the same. It's the same message, except I feel like John Carpenter is doing it on purpose. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. This movie's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys well, have good. the same problem I had with it this time, though? Because uh, I'll tell you this: yeah. I found I found it hard to suspend my disbelief enough to buy this. So I I looked into it. The population of Manhattan right now is like 1.6 million that live on that yeah. island. So figure you can fit two million prisoners in there because prisoners are going to get less space than your average new yorker by a little bit so you got two million people in there but then they team up kurt russell's eye patch with tom atkins mustache on the other side why isn't this movie like four and a half minutes long why is there even a fight <laughs> let's be honest two million people against that team just they should just be able to wander through New York and be like, President, snap their fingers and they just get them back. Problem solved. <laughs> well, although Come maybe, on, man. maybe they cancel each other out. I don't see how. Maybe I agree with you if they were against each other. But once they team up, once they once they decide to work together. Mm, I don't know. Maybe maybe Eyepatch doesn't quite trust the uh, mustache. It's plausible. You should never trust anyone with a mustache. I do agree with that basic <laughs> For- sentiment. Perhaps the mustache has betrayed its owner because it knows its true home is on Kurt Russell's face. <laughs> no way to deny that Kurt Russell can grow himself a mustache when oh, he wants God. to. Dude has the best facial hair. Alright. So, putting aside the politics and of it, what were just some of the awesome parts that you guys like? I, I think my favorite part of the entire movie was when my wife was like vaguely watching it out of the corner of her eye while attempting to ignore it. Uh, they got to the part where they showed Isaac Hayes's ridiculous fucking car with the goddamn shadows yeah. on the front of it. <laughs> it, it, and it, it took her so far aback that it made the whole thing worth it. She was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> She was like, that's just ridiculous. And then the funny thing is, is she was on Facebook the next day, and lo and behold, somebody had a picture of somebody's car that they had done that to it. They had put the two chandeliers on the front of it. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, what's up with her going on Facebook and being like, too much Kurt Russell this month, Noah? And I had to be like, it's never enough. As as with all movie things, she's just not a huge Kurt Russell fan. Oh, you should divorce her. <laughs> seems, seems like an extreme <laughs> reaction. Nope. If, if, you, if, if you go to an attorney and tell her she doesn't like Kurt Russell, he'll be like, done and done. I'm doing this pro bono just for you. But I'll probably never watch let her watch Shopping Mall because we would have a fight. I will say, I think Escape from New York would be a fun movie to show to a normie. Just to be like, like, it's an action movie. He's got to go save the president. And they're like, all right. And then they're like, wait, why why are there crazy people living in the sewers of New York? And why does that one guy think he's the president? And why is he singing now? Oh, yeah, no, that, this is a John Carpenter movie. That's the kind of thing you, you come to expect. <laughs> Hang on a sec. Later, later there's going to be a gang that literally comes up 
through the floor to kill the character that we just introduced as a semi-love interest. <laughs> <laughs> just when you think you're like, oh, that seems like she's going to be important. Nope. Nope. No, they're like Judd attack. You're like, wait, no, there aren't Judds in this movie. Judds! <laughs> there are so. <laughs> like, and the gang's chasing him and he's running, and then that walkie talkie falls and breaks. Which, by the way, some of the technology is so fun to watch in retrospect. And it's like, in 1997, he's got this walkie talkie where you got to pull that long antenna out. And it's like, yeah, by 97, we had cell phones. I mean, they were I... flip phones, but. <laughs> I mean. In that movie, it starts with "In the future, in 1988, crime rises." <laughs> it's like, wow, the far off future of 1988. It jumps super further ahead, 1997. I can't even picture that far away. What the hell was with 97? Why did everyone think the world was going to end there? So yeah. pick, your, pick your apocalyptic movie. A lot of them take place in 97. Most famously, of course, this in Terminator. Um, um, I suppose we should give a shout out to Adrian Barbeau in this movie. Yeah. And her beeps. <laughs> she, she really... Well, I'm just saying, Adrian Barbeau, like, there's more than one way to recognize her. Like this, <laughs> I don't think she I, I even had a I even had a whole conversation about, with Shar about it, and, and she was like, "Is that somebody I'm supposed to know?" And I was like, "You probably know her boobs." Like, <laughs> she made an entire career out of just having the most spectacular set of breasts on the planet for about <laughs> ten fucking years. She never wore a sweater the entire time, right? We should all be thankful. <laughs> oh, and she's fucking awesome. Think of all oh, the awesome ass movies she's in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got to meet her once at a convention. She was super nice. Everyone says that. She did an interview with us, and then uh, when we asked her to do like a promo for our website, you know, hey, you're watching such and such. Instead of drunken zombies, she called it drunkyzombie.com. Yeah. And I totally didn't correct her because I'm like, we're totally running one of Deidre no. Barbeau saying drunkyzombie.com. You should have changed your website to that. Right. <laughs> um, I don't know. What else? <laughs> what else we love it's, about this movie besides so all of to, it? Yeah, it's hard to do this movie because it's there's so much good in it. And it's just it's just Kurt Russell constantly being increasingly badass. <laughs> I, I really like the, the fight between him and that giant monster of a human being yeah, in the wrestling, the wrestling ring. ring yeah. They just they just keep tossing him like it's you like, mean <sighs> you mean unused Street Fighter character number thirty? <laughs> yes, that's what I mean. <laughs> There's a giant bat with spikes on it to the back of the head. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Yeah, I like that everybody's cheering for him, and then all of a sudden, spiky bat to the back of the head, and everybody's like, oh, fuck that guy. Snake, snake, snake. They all turn on him right away. It's a real Rocky Four kind of moment where they're just like... <laughs> <sighs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm at a loss of what else to say. I just love this movie. Yeah, it's so much fun to watch, but it's, and so much of it is just him going on this adventure. It's just step by step meeting these different people it's like a road trip movie in that way except it's just a road trip through Manhattan yeah but it's it's really fun I like the cabbie character a lot oh yeah him dying is the worst part of the whole movie you're like yeah 
everybody dying is weird. Like the way yeah. everybody just kind of. What do you guys think of? Uh, I was going to ask you this: the casting of Donald Pleasance as the president of the United States. Do you guys elect a lot of British presidents, or <laughs> do you think they should have got somebody with no accent to play that role? I was thinking during the movie. I'm like, am I am I just hearing Donald Pleasance, or is he purposely trying to change his accent, and I'm just not noticing it? No, I don't think he even tries. <laughs> no. And maybe he tried and couldn't, so they decided not to. But I don't. I. I like the president's arc in this movie a lot, too, of the buildup of him being, you know, just fucking defiant and then completely traumatized. And then at the end, whenever he fucking uh, unloads on the Baron of New York while using Snake as fucking (laughs) base. And that moment's so great because you're like, oh, see, yeah, now the president's become a savage like the rest of them. And then, of course... He gets out, and the first thing that happens is they're like, shave and haircut. Yeah. And he's right back to being, you know, oh, yeah. self-serving yeah. douchebag politician. Yeah. Snake could have had anything he wanted. All he wanted was a moment of his time. And, and he really wouldn't say, give it to him. That's the yeah. thing. When he says that, he's like, all I want is a moment for your time. And he wants to ask him about, like, Cabby and Adrian Barbeau's character and uh, what's brain that's Harry Dean Stanton he wants yeah. to know like what he thinks of those guys dying and he just gets that very typical politically correct answer of just like well the nation appreciates their sacrifice and it's like oh fuck that's not what Snake wants to hear <laughs> and it was at that moment that that tape was getting destroyed yeah you did you definitely sort of made me feel like if he'd gotten a better answer he wouldn't have destroyed that tape yeah but on the other hand, it is like just, well, this one guy's a douchebag, so I'll destroy world peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just so, knows. It's it's all it's all smokescreen. Yeah. Fuck these people. And I mean, um, I understand that. That's sort of, that is the John Carpenter sort of 60s counterculture kind of thing of just like, you know, fuck the, the whole system. It's stupid, and I don't like it, and I don't want to be a part of it. And I get yeah. that. I, I totally understand that sentiment, even though most of us don't have the option of actually not being a part of us. Yeah, it's become a lot harder. Yeah. Well, it always has been, right? It's just, you know, film directors and that are always the ones that are spreading these messages, but yeah, you're a film director. With, you know, I noticed <laughs> you did a bunch of, like, made-for-TV movies and commercials and shit until you got rich, and now you're like, fuck this system, I don't want to be a part of it, I'll do my own thing, and it's like, good, yes. I'm glad you're doing it, however, you do recognize that <laughs> most of us still have to go to work tomorrow, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, I do find it interesting that uh, <laughs> um, if you look at uh, Escape from LA compared to this movie, yeah, just how utterly '90s that movie is. Yeah, where they trade in <laughs> Career Snake's uh, camo and leather jacket for like the black sleek leather outfit yep. that he has like the complete leather one and uh yeah. his wrestling match becomes a basketball game because they're yeah. on the west coast i thought that was weird but and then uh of course steve buscemi's in it so it's definitely yeah, I'm 90s not, i'm not really a fan of escape from la i haven't seen it in a long time but i feel like it's almost a parody of this movie and yeah. i don't understand why a director would make a parody of his own movie <laughs> well one thing you don't want to do is do a double feature of Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. Because uh, 
I did that once, and that was a mistake because so because so, you got whiplash and you had to go to the doctor. <laughs> well, also, if you almost if you run a stopwatch during both movies, you hit similar beats throughout throughout at the same time. Oh yeah, it almost feels like the exact same movie, just made on the other coast, and it was just very odd, like watching it. I'm like, we just saw this. Yeah, like they, they literally just made the same movie twice. I'd really like to know if John Carpenter was the driving force behind making that or not. Escape from LA. I think there's like a there is a story about him like basically not getting along with the studio and then at some point going, well then fuck it, I'm going to make the most stupid, ridiculous thing you can imagine. And he did. <laughs> right. I mean, it sounds like. He he has a habit of uh, doing what he want to do. If that makes yeah. sense, yeah. So I I almost wondered if it wasn't the studio was like, hey, sequels are a big thing. Let's make a sequel to your movie. And him going, nah, I don't want to do that. And then being like, come on, man, we'll pay you a bunch of money to do it. And he's like, I kind of don't want to do it. And they're like, well, we'll have another director do it. And he's like, you're not having another director. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're like, well, come on, man. And he'd be like, oh, fine, I'm going to make your fucking movie. I'm just going to make this stupid fucking shithole ass movie. <laughs> fuck it, <laughs> fuck you. I'm going to make the same fucking movie. I'm not even going to make a sequel. It's just going to be the same fucking movie, only shittier. Because <laughs> uh, he is kind of mocking them, right? Like, he is sort of mocking them at that point of being like, you want a sequel to it? This is what I think, this is what I think of sequels. I think sequels are just worse retreads. And there you go. That's what he made. So. Yeah. Well, Escape from New York is still awesome. So if yes. anybody hasn't watched it in a while, you should still watch it. Yeah, like every moment of it really holds up. Like even the beginning, like when he has that stupid crash landing on top of the World Trade Center with mm-hmm. the uh, hang glider thing. And I'm like, it's cheesy action movie stuff, but it's just done really well. Yeah. And it's... Yeah, and all the composite shots and stuff still look really good. Oh yeah, yeah. Like there's only some effects that don't hold up. All the practical yeah. stuff holds up. It's the computer screens that look ridiculous. It's yeah. the you know them guessing at what a walkie-talkie in '97 would look like is. I already brought that up. It's like that's not that's not bad filmmaking. That's just not knowing what technology was coming years later. Right? Well, I also love that. Uh, yeah, he's got the walkie-talkie with the giant antenna. But then also has a tracking device that can just fit into a bracelet on his wrist. Yeah, well, you know. But that can't communicate. You can only just send out a beacon. I know, but it's just it's funny. totally different. Um, Alright, well, anything else before I move on? No, the movie's awesome. I wish we could say more things about it, but we're not very good at this. So. No. <clears throat> yeah, it's just... It's tough to... Uh, to think just uh, I don't know dissect this movie because it's fucking awesome but we've talked about some of the politics and all that stuff I don't know yeah it's good definitely watch it um, I keep hearing remake of this movie which I think is pointless I don't again this movie holds up so well why would you need to remake it I don't know yeah. you know what I mean yeah I don't know we'll see I mean if they took a completely different approach to it I wouldn't have a problem with a, a different movie about a guy going into a city sized prison 
Mm -hmm. I'd be alright with that, but I don't. If they tried to actually do a remake, rather than just kind of taking the base idea, I don't think it would work. Yeah. Like you, I agree. You, another, you, give, you get somebody else and call them Snake Plissken, I don't know if that works. Yeah. But, you know, if you get Kurt Russell to come back and pass the torch and somebody's going into a New York that's been, you know, 30 more years of being used as his prison and it's that much more decrepit, and you know, that could yeah. be interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you know, a studio will fuck it up, so... <sighs> yes. We hold no hopes. Hollywood will fuck up anything. <laughs> the only th- the only way that they wouldn't fuck up that movie is if they made it good, but put like a cliffhanger ending on it, and then never got around to making the sequel. I guess if you want a, a, a remake of this, you could watch that movie Lockout with uh, Guy Pierce, um, where he has to break into a prison in space and smuggle somebody out. Uh, apparently, it was similar enough that John Carpenter sued them and won. So, oh really? Yeah, that makes me want to watch it. <laughs> Lockout. Yeah, I'm, I'm making a mental note of that. We might be talking about that next week. I want to say, I want to say that's what it was. Yeah, Lockout. Guy Pierce and Maggie Grace. Yeah, yeah. It was directed by. Uh, <clears throat> Or is not directed. Was it produced? I don't know. Luke Basson is involved with it. Oh, it looks like he's a writer. Um, uh, he's involved with it. He's involved with it, and uh, apparently Carpenter sued him and uh, got a settlement out of it. So um, here it is. Yeah, October 2015. John Carpenter won a plagiarism suit case against Luke Basson. Plagiarism. Over, over <laughs> lockout, proving clear similarities to Escape from New York and Escape from LA. A French court ruled that enough similar distinctive elements from both Carpenter's films were borrowed to merit a sanction. Uh, I'm actually uh, reading the plot description right now, and it's like, yeah, set in the near future, falsely convicted ex-government agent. <laughs> His only chance at freedom lies in accepting a mission of getting the president's daughter out from a rioting yeah. convicts in a space prison. Yeah, yeah which is, so it's totally different because he's getting the rioter's daughter out, not the president's daughter well, out, not the president. So. Well, it was the president's daughter. He had to get out and escape from L.A., so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear John Carpenter won that lawsuit. Gives me a slight, <laughs> that gives me faith in the French court system that I didn't used to have, so. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, what'd you watch? What'd you watch, Noah, since last week? I watched Jack shit. <laughs> Noah doesn't watch anything anymore. So busy. I got too much shit to do. <laughs> Ignore it. I go to sleep at movies. eight. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you watch, Doug? I got a few things. Uh, I finally got around to Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Um, 
and it's pretty fucking fun. <laughs> yep. I, I, I was a little put off at the beginning of it because of the animation style of the turtles, yeah. but I, I got used to it, and then I, I really like the portrayal of the turtles in it. So, yeah. And watching them interact with Batman is just fun. <laughs> like when he gets mad because they're eating pizza before their mission's done and stuff, and you're like, yeah, that feels like what would happen with that group. <laughs> Yeah, fucking Bat- <laughs> Batman going hand to hand with Shredder, which is pretty badass. Yeah, yeah, pretty fucking cool. Like, <laughs> you know, I, the fight scenes are pretty decent, um, but the the comedy is mostly what works in the film for me. Is the interactions, especially Michelangelo's character, they play him up really goofy in this movie, and it's fun. And then when you have like uh, Robin and Batgirl join the the team, and it's just all of them there interacting. And Alfred's constantly annoyed by the turtles because they make messes and shit. <laughs> I liked all that. I thought they did a really good job at first when they started teaming up everybody. It seemed like like Leonardo and Batman were getting along because they're both the leaders with the blue tints. And then, you know, Donatello was getting along with Batgirl because she's the kind of the tech one and he's the tech one. But then they did switch up the teams later on throughout as well. And I thought they did a good job of that to make sure it wasn't just kind of quite as stereotypical as uh, yeah, as you might expect. So, and yeah, I thought the plot was enough. It was like, fine. It's, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, something about Mutagen and Joker and yeah. Shredder and it's like, yeah, sure. Fine. Whatever. Yeah. It was fun when uh, they gave Mutagen to a bunch of the different Batman villains and they all turned into like these weird things. So Joker became like a snake and stuff. Yeah. All that was fun, you know? So, glad I watched that. I watched it with my kid, and he loved it, too, so... I bet. uh, It seems like something that, yeah, a young kid like that could definitely get into. He was right into it. He's, uh... The next day, he got up, and he's like, can we, uh... Can we try to find something else on that same app? And by app, he means list of movies you made available to us for free. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So he he was extremely grateful. Yeah. Well, there's some should be some other animated DC stuff in there. So, yeah, he started watching uh, Lego Batman. Yeah, he was liking that, but his dick of a father made him go to bed. So. Oh, what an asshole! <laughs> but, yeah, yeah he, 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 I have a feeling we'll be in there rewatching a bunch of these movies over and over again once he figures them all out. So. <laughs> I'm just wondering, for someone that young. Because, like, we didn't have, like, a movie like this when we were younger. Like, if we would have had, like, a Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie back, you know, in the prime of all that stuff, I feel like it would have blown my mind. Oh, yeah, it would have. Like, kids these days are spoiled, though, right? I guess so, yeah. They have all. They grew up in a world, like, my kid grew up in a world where he's like, Dad, is there any such thing as an Avengers movie? And I'm like, yes, one exists. And made before he was born right yeah. so it's yeah because i just it's so I, it's so different like because i loved superheroes when i was a kid but it was like you read comics or you watched a couple of cartoons but that was it yeah. or you watch the sci-fi channels for them uh 24-hour reruns of the incredible hulk yeah I'd, i definitely watched incredible hulk when i was a kid um, and I would watch things like Misfits of Science because it was sort of superhero adjacent. Um, but yeah, like, and I was never huge on reading comics, but I would I would do it just because I liked the characters and the storylines and shit. Yeah. So 
my dream would have been to have something like the MCU as a kid. And yeah. we did not. But I'm just trying to put myself in a place where it's like, well, <clears throat> I like Ninja Turtles. I like Batman. Hey, did you know there's a movie where the Ninja Turtles and Batman fight? I would have been like, what? Yeah. Mind blown. And just would have like pissed myself from watching it probably. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a big moment in my child's life to find out that that movie existed. I was very happy to tell. Nice. I don't think he believed me at first. Like I think at first he thought that I was going to turn on like a YouTube video of people in a Batman costume and people in Ninja Turtle costumes because <laughs> he watches a lot of that kind of shit. Yeah, and it's like um, I'm like, no, no, I wouldn't do that. That's. Have you shown him uh, Bat Dad videos? I think my ex actually used to show them. <laughs> yeah. I do uh, occasionally wear costumes around the house and like yell at him in voices. So. Nice. But it's mostly my yeah. Vader costume, not my Batman costume. So. For like six months, I was all about bat, bat dad stuff. I just watch videos and just crack up. It's pretty funny. <laughs> so. What else did you watch? Well, so that was the only thing that is uh, kid-friendly on my list. You'll be happy to know. Oh, okay. Uh, the next thing I watched was a thriller I came across on Prime called The Secrets We Keep. Mm. Which is... So, 1950s, kind of suburban USA. Um, this woman starts to think that this other guy, this new guy in town, is actually one of the Nazis that terrorized her and her family during the war. Turns out she, unbeknownst to everyone else, she was a Romanian gypsy during the war, and Nazis didn't like those. Um, so, I mean, I guess it's not much of a spoiler to say that she ends up kidnapping him, right? Mm -hmm. And that leads to all sorts of tension between them, because, you know, she says, you're a Nazi, and he says, no, I'm actually a Swiss guy, and I wasn't even in the war. And they're going back and forth, and her husband is involved. Um, that obviously leads to some family tension as well. Because I, I, this is a hard thing to say in 2021. Back in the 50s, if you were going to kidnap a Nazi, a woman would have been expected to get her husband's permission first, and she didn't do that. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I mean, most of the movie is this guy is tied up in the basement. She's 100% convinced he's this Nazi that, like, tormented her family. The husband is like, well, like I get where you're coming from if this is him, but ah, we don't seem to have any proof that he's not a Swiss guy who moved here and got a job at the factory after the war. So there's there's a lot of back and forth that way. Um, and it's, it's pretty good. Like The tension is pretty solid, and the, there's a few moments of like violence that are decent. And I think the the husband guy who is like trying to maintain calm throughout all this is actually pretty good in his role. Um, so it's a pretty solid movie if that's the kind of thing you're interested in. Mm. Sounds interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not a spectacular movie, but it's it's pretty good. And it's a neat subject matter. So Cause it definitely delves into the whole, like, like, they actually talk to a psychiatrist who's like, yeah, Sometimes when people go through trauma, they remember every little detail right down to the last minute, and they could definitely, like, she says she recognizes his voice and his whistle and stuff, and they're like, that's entirely plausible. It's also entirely plausible that she's been, you know, trying to 
carry this trauma inside herself for so long that now she forgets all these details and she's making up to fit the narrative that she's got in her head. And it's like, okay, both those things are possible. That's not helpful at all. That's great. You know? Um, so it's, I liked it. Yeah. And uh, so after that, uh, based on conversation that happened last week, I went ahead and watched one hour photo. Yeah. Partially because you guys talking about it last week and partially because it's on Disney Plus now and I still think it's funny to watch these types of movies <laughs> through Disney Plus. <laughs> um, <laughs> fuck, I will say, like, because we, we already talked about it, we don't need to get too deep into it, but like we talk, like everyone remembers the climax of the film, right? Where he snaps and he yeah. goes after. That's what everyone talks about when they talk about this film. And I don't think we're even spoiling anything for people to say that he snaps at the end and takes some people prisoner and stuff. Like you'll know that's coming if you're watching the movie. Um, what surprised me was how hard it was to watch the first hour of this film because <laughs> it's just so creepy and uncomfortable. Yeah. And there's like there's. A, there's something about Williams's performance when he shows up at the park to watch this kid's soccer practice. It's just this kid he knows that he just shows up there randomly, watches him play soccer, and then gives him a present and has no ill intentions whatsoever towards this kid. And we as an audience know that he has no ill intentions whatsoever, but it's still super uncomfortable to watch him give that child a gift. Totally. It, because you're just like, you're not supposed to just randomly stop... <laughs> Like, like the day I watched this, I I took my neighbor's kids to the park because I do that sometimes because I'm taking my kid to the park and they're just like, can we come? And I'm like, sure. Yeah. And I like I was sitting in my own basement afterwards, like questioning myself, like, should I be doing that? Should I be taking other people's kids to the park? Is that really <laughs> weird? <laughs> like, no, wait, I think it's OK because I have a kid. I think that makes it OK. But I got to make a conscious decision not to take them to the park when I'm by myself. Which not really much of a risk, but <laughs> I was just like, it made me feel really uncomfortable watching yeah. it happen. And like that whole thing where he like, like where he where he exposes the husband's affair by like moving the pictures around and stuff. Yeah. And I'm just like, like part of me in my brain is going like he's in a way he's doing the right thing. Like if her husband's cheating on her, she has a right to know that. And if he has a way to prove it to her and, sh and tell her, maybe he's doing a favor. But there's something about the way he does it where I'm like, he's not doing it for her benefit. He's doing that for his benefit. And what creepy, weird thing does he have? Like, uh. Yeah. <clears throat> no, this is why I loved watching it with my friend who had never even heard of it before I brought it up. Really? And yeah i'm just like have you ever seen one hour photo he's like i don't even know what that is i'm like so you have no clue and he's like no and i'm like okay so i put it on i'm like all right right now and and he uh i mean it was watching him just squirm because he had no idea like what the movie was about and then all of a sudden he's like wait <laughs> i i i know where this is going and i don't like this this is very uncomfortable and i'm like yeah and it should be because that's the whole point <laughs> It's, it's yeah it's just very upsetting and it's yeah. so weird because like everything he describes like everything he does if you just describe what he's doing not that bad like yeah it's it's a little weird that he keeps copies of other people's pictures when he works in a yeah. photo booth or whatever but i'm sure people who work in photo booths sometimes make extra copies of the pictures of things that they like and keep them like i i 
You know what I mean? It's probably not usually families like that. But <laughs> it's yeah. just like when when he meets the when he meets her at the mall on purpose, and I'm like, it, it's there's something so weird about it. Because it doesn't. It's not even like he has sexual intentions towards the mom. He like he talks about himself wanting to be like the kid's uncle. Like he wants to be friends with this family. Not even. It's not even. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's somehow that's worse. Is that weird? Yeah. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't want them to break up. He wants the family intact. Like that's yeah. what makes it almost worse. Just because it's just like. No, like he doesn't want to in- invade this family. He wants the family to stay the way it is, and that's yeah. He just wants <laughs> to be a part of it. Yeah, and it's it gets weird that way because it, like even when he starts doing like objectively terrible things, you're like he's still kind of a sympathetic character because it's so sad. The idea that he just wants to be a part of this family, like he just sees this family and just wants to like do that, and it's just wants yeah. to be the guy that visits once in a while. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's so weird. Uh, yeah. Oh. Such a fucking creepy ass movie. Yeah. Like like yeah. you were talking about this the soccer park, the stuff at the park. Like my friend was in there watching it and he's like, Oh, this dude should not be at this game. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> it's not And then he's yeah. sitting there and you hear him go, Hey, I got something for you. He's like, It's gonna be that fucking toy, isn't it? Oh my god, it's gonna be the fucking toy. Don't do that shit. Yeah, could you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. God. Such a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't and it's it's weird because like again, I feel like people haven't seen it and we're just describing, yeah, so this he sees this kid he knows at the park and he stops to watch his soccer practice. It doesn't sound that bad, but it is. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you should if nobody's watched it, watch it. It's worth your time. It's just yeah. It's Rob, Robin Williams being on a completely different level, acting wise, than it, it is. you would even think he could get to. And now's the time of year to watch it too, because it's spring. You're gonna feel super creepy and weird and uncomfortable, but at least you can go outside and get some fresh air and <laughs> go for a walk or something after, and not just be sitting alone <laughs> in your house contemplating. <laughs> yeah, so good. Uh, anyways, yeah. So we'll see. Hopefully, the hopefully we're only going to talk about that movie. It's not the new space. Nobody needs to watch it for next week. And I was going to watch it. Yeah. Once was enough. <laughs> That's not an unreasonable statement. I haven't seen it since it was new because it, I must have felt the same way about it back then because I remember it as being a good movie, but I didn't rewatch it for a long time. Yeah, I hadn't watched it in like fifteen years before before. Uh my friend had never heard of it. We were talking about Robin Williams performances and stuff, which is where it came from. And I'm like, yeah, one hour. Have you ever seen one hour photo? I don't even know what that is. Well, <laughs> fuck. That's what we're doing right now. You're not going to like me in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. uh, I don't know what else I watched. Yeah. The last thing I watched this week, I, another rewatch, um, I rewatched Fido, which yeah. is the uh, family zombie comedy. It's actually kind of fits the Captain Ron mold of like wacky character comes in, causes chaos in the family, and they all learn to get along better by the end of it. 
Except in this case, the wacky character is their pet zombie, played by Billy Connolly. <laughs> um, that is, I mean, you've seen this, I take it. I have not. You have not? No, it's delightful. Yeah. It and, is, there, and there's one weird reason why I haven't. Okay, what is that? Is my friend made came up with the idea of this movie. Okay. Like 15 years before they made it. For his one of his college projects, he did a short film, and it was done like one of those 1950s like educational films. Oh yeah. And it was about a girl who gets a zombie. It's called My Best Friend the Zombie. And uh, this little girl gets a zombie and basically just uses it to, uh, um, like teach the kids at the playground a lesson or, you know, crazy stuff like around the house and it's just weird and quirky and it's filmed in black and white which I know the movie's not stuff but it's just when this movie came out and I saw the trailer I was like oh shit that's basically my friend the zombie that's yeah. interesting but you should watch this I think you'd enjoy it, it I is, probably would I just never got like and a lot of it is it's due to the cast it's um like Dylan Baker as the dad is just the most perfect casting ever for just like typical 50s dad in a in a movie where zombies are being kept as pets and used as servants <laughs> and he's scared of zombies and nobody like nobody wants to nobody will recognize that that's a normal thing <laughs> they all act like it's weird that he's scared of zombies but meanwhile if these zombies callers do malfunction they do start killing everyone <laughs> Like that part just is true, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sure what to say about the movie. It's it's set in a fake 1950s world where, post a zombie war, they've uh, they've uh, gone ahead and uh, basically turned zombies into slaves, and this family gets their first zombie, and it, it, it I don't know what else to tell you. Similar to Captain Ron, where the zombie starts to take over the dad's position, and eventually they learn to be friends. <laughs> you know the kid starts the kid starts playing games with the zombie because the dad's ignoring him and the wife and the zombie almost have a romantic relationship <laughs> which sounds so stupid to say but it's really fun to watch and you know, at the end they all have to learn to get along <laughs> but yeah it's it's just a very pleasant watch they, they nail the like 1950s aesthetic perfectly and of course, like 1950s is like shorthand for everything looks nice, but really underneath it's not yeah. as uh, not as pleasant as we want it to be. And they kind of, of uh, they, they they use that to their advantage here, where they know that everyone's automatically going to be thinking that, and so it works. But, uh, yeah, that's that's all I watched this week because it got sunny, so I kept wanting to go outside. Well, that's stupid. Don't ever leave your house. <sighs> um, well, I watched a couple things, and then we're going to have spoilery discussion on, I guess, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and then Justice League at the end. Um, Are we? Sure, why not? <laughs> All right. Uh, so, first I watched The Last Blockbuster, the documentary that's now on Netflix. Okay, and I've seen people complaining about like, well, why are why are you like romanticizing blockbuster? They fucking killed, uh, 
you know, mom and pop shops and stuff. And yes, that is true. They did. Yeah. But I would say this is less a romanticizing of Blockbuster. I mean, there is some, but I think it's more just to look back at video stores and how okay. we all kind of miss that. That's and kind of what one, I was hoping it would be. Yeah. Like, and this one specific store <clears throat> is was not a Blockbuster-owned store. They were a franchise. And they started out as an independent uh, video store. And basically, Blockbuster came in and offered them, you know, we will make your your place a, a Blockbuster for, you know, whatever profit-sharing deal they worked out. And the guy said it was just too good of an offer. Because if they didn't take it, they were putting in another Blockbuster no matter what. So, uh, they pretty much accepted it just to keep alive. And people, they talk to people who've gone to the store the entire time the store's been open. And it said, like, literally nothing changed in the store. Like, they put blue and yellow paint on the walls. And that's pretty much it. Like, the store stayed exactly the same otherwise. So, it's very much following this one specific store but then they're talking to people who miss like video stores like they talk to kevin smith they talk briefly to lloyd kaufman who just talks about how shitty blockbuster is yeah she <laughs> <laughs> fucking hated them um but he specifically points out it was the blockbuster owned stores not the uh, franchises that he had a big problem with um <clears throat> But yeah, and they kind of just focus on this one store that's been an independent store forever. And somehow in Bend, Oregon, there's still one store, one blockbuster store left open. And you just talk to how how they've survived this long, what what people love about this store, why it stays open, and just sort of the nostalgia of going to a video store. They talk about all that kind of stuff, and it's a lot of fun. Um <clears throat> There's a little bit of a drama of their their leasing agreements coming up, and they're not sure, like, because now Dish owns the Blockbuster brand. And, okay. you know, they're kind of concerned, like, at what point is Dish going to be like, look, there's no, like, Blockbuster's not a thing anymore. We don't even want to waste our time, like, dealing with a, a licensing agreement. So why... So, you know, the, constant, the the drama turns into, are they going to let us renew? Like, if they don't, what are we going to do? Are we going to try to be an independent store? Is that still going to work? Is there something inherent to being a blockbuster for whatever reason? I mean, it does give them a lot of notoriety since they're the last one. So without that, are they going to be able to stay open or, you know. So there's some of that drama involved, which makes it fun and interesting and yeah, for the most part, it's just to look back at the video store culture. Um, they talk. They talked to some celebrities that worked in a blockbuster when they were younger, so they kind of go back, you know, reminiscing about all that kind of stuff and why they love video stores and stuff like that. So I would say it's worth a watch. Don't be put off by the uh, thought that they might be romanticizing blockbuster. They do point out a lot of the problems with Blockbuster and how Blockbuster fucked up and basically ruined ruined the brand and overextended itself. And companies that bought Blockbuster fucked it up for them, too. And, uh, you know, 
they're not kind specifically to the Blockbuster brand just because Blockbuster's in the title. But uh, uh, I'm glad to hear that because I'm not a Blockbuster fan. A lot of what happened to that industry is because of Blockbuster. I mean, they yeah, totally. It it always blew my mind that the two worst companies, which was mm-hmm. Blockbuster and Hollywood Video, somehow ended up being on top of the pile. I don't... Capitalism doesn't make any fucking sense to me. (laughs) Well, yeah, because it's... Yeah, I think over the timeline of how, like, the company was bought by, like, Viacom at some point and just all the mistakes that that company made with them that put them, like, $100 million in debt and then tried to sell it off, and it's like, yeah, nobody wants it because it's $100 million in debt, so... You just basically just, you know, nuked this brand and caused all sorts of other problems. So it's funny. Yeah. I still remember when blockbusters were closing down, too. And it was like one of those weird things where it's like around here, I was talking to the managers of blockbusters and they're like, yeah, no, we're making money. I don't know. Like, it, yeah. we're closing down because the company's closing down, but this location is doing fine. And it's one of those weird things where it's like, well, why can't this one stay open then? You know? Yeah. But yeah. Because even though you're making money, you're not making enough money. Yeah, which is is a a strange, strange thing to hear. I don't understand that logic. They they do explain some of it in the documentary because because it was bought and then leveraged basically to take a huge bunch of loans out to fix other problems inside the, the big company, but then was never, you know... Well, and that honestly, back into it. quite often, is the case. Like that's yeah. there's a similar story. I don't have details in front of me or anything. A similar story to what happened with Toys R Us recently, and yeah. a, a number of other brands. Is it's not, it's not that the product is no longer viable. It's that the people in charge messed it up, and then they paid themselves huge salaries and either got fired or quit and moved on. And the mm-hmm. new people came in and were like, "There's no way to fix this." Well, that in Blockbuster deciding to not abide by the uh, what what did they call it the uh, the exclusivity contract or whatever, where basically video rental stores would buy the tapes at bloated cost, but they would be allowed to rent them for six to twelve months or something like that before they'd be available to the public. Yeah. And and Blockbuster decided no, fuck you, we're going to buy them at the regular price and people are still going to rent them and we're going to make a bajillion dollars. And it's like, I don't think that's the way that works. Well, yeah. they also talked when, the, when Blockbuster was first starting to get big and started pushing out smaller ones, what they would do is uh, offer profit sharing to the studios or revenue sharing, I mean. So rather than having to buy like, you know, four copies of men in black for a hundred dollars a piece they would spend 75 dollars to get all four copies and then give a percentage of how much money they made off rentals to the studio but then that deal was not offered to mom and pop shops so they had to spend way more money to get inventory than blockbuster did and basically just couldn't compete at any some point yeah so yeah it's interesting if you're a fan of video stores, it's definitely worth a watch. They go over, like I said, video video store culture and just all the stuff that we don't really think about anymore. And like people are talking in, in the documentary about 
because they hand them like a uh, a tape case because they mocked one up for the actual you know the name of the movie the last blockbuster and they hand them the case and people are just looking at it like oh my god i haven't held one of these in forever and they all just start reminiscing about stuff like some of them's like oh this is the most satisfying satisfying thing in the world when you put the the case together and you push on it and it makes that click and everybody's like oh that's that's like the best feeling in the world and i didn't realize it till now because i haven't felt this in like forever there is still something about that experience that i miss it's Mm. the whole going to the store and there's something about the commitment of like yeah like if you walked or rode your bike to the to the store to pick up a movie like first of all you're coming home with a movie you're not going all the way there and then not getting one so if the one you're looking for is out or if you can't find something you're getting something like you're not there's no yeah. way you would go to a video store and then when you get home you're like oh, there's more of a commitment to the movie because oh, you sure. had to go you had to go through that effort to get it so it's not just the same thing as clicking a button you would never watch half of a movie and then turn it off no. like no way you almost watched every movie twice even if you didn't like it because you might never get a chance to see that movie again mm. and that that whole world is gone and obviously like for people like us that watch a lot of movies it's good to have access to all this stuff through streaming and all that oh, but yeah. I, I i miss the experience of going out and getting it i miss the experience of like waiting to get a movie and having to wait until somebody else brought it back and... oh yeah someone someone talked about that just like at the thing where they're like you'd get there and the movie would be gone and you'd ask them about it. They'd be like, Oh, it's supposed to be returned today. And you would try to hang out like at the video store. <laughs> yeah. you'd, you'd hear a tape come in through the Dropbox. You'd be like, Hey, is that uh, what's, what tape is that? What, what, what do they drop off? <laughs> see if your movie had been returned. I've done, I, I did definitely did that from time to time where I'd be like looking for a particular movie. And, you know, be, the, the video stores that I frequented, they, I, I frequented them enough that they knew me. And yeah. so they'd be like, that movie you're looking for just came back. Give us a minute. We'll put it back into the system. Yeah. It's it's funny that, so the Blockbuster and uh, those stores, I, I enjoyed them, but those are not my my favorite old movie store thing. Like yeah. Suncoast fucking video was my favorite goddamn thing. Oh, yeah. Going in there and it was just disorganized as fuck. <laughs> and you'd go into the horror section and like you could literally spend two hours just like rifling through VHS tapes and all of a sudden you're like dead alive. Woo! Yeah, how many times how many times I applied at Suncoast Video here in Peoria and never got hired. And then I would fucking walk into into the store because of course I would shop there like all the time. Anytime I was at the mall, I would stop into Suncoast and I'd fucking hear one of their associates tell somebody, "Oh, you don't want widescreen." They put they put black bars at the top and bottom so it looks more like the theater, and I would just in my mind be screaming, "How is this fucking person working here?" And you won't hire me. Like what the fuck? You guys want to hear a thing about a unorganized video store? Yeah. Me, I used to have a buddy in high school. There was a place called Jumbo Video. It was a big chain in Canada uh, before Blockbuster came here, and. But the one by my house was awesome. It had a great horror section, but it was fucking unorganized. So me and my buddy would go there, like on a Friday night, to rent a movie, and we would take it upon ourselves to organize their movies. <laughs> <laughs> so they just be like, "What are you doing?" And we're like, "These are not 
this is unacceptable. If we would be organizing them alphabetically <laughs> and putting them like in like, you know, if there was like one, two, three, four in a series, making sure they were all in the right order, and they'd be like, what the hell are you doing? And I'd be like, shut up. If you guys do your job, we wouldn't have to do this. this we're taking front. a second bag of free popcorn on our way out, by the way. Teach you a lesson for doing this. Whenever I worked at Hollywood Video, no joke, you would spend two to three hours of every shift happening to go walk through the store and re-alphabetize everything because people were just monsters. Yeah. yeah. My favorite one, do you guys remember Happy Tree Friend? No. No. Okay, so it it, it was like a, kind of like a YouTube streaming show before that was a thing. But it was this cartoon series that was just fucked up. They were basically like Care Bear-esque characters but every little video of them was something awful happening. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they found a spear gun and they're playing with it. And they shoot out one of their eyes and somebody gets vivisected and ripped in half or something like that. That does sound fun. Yeah, it was really funny. It was it was delightful. Uh, so whenever I was working at Hollywood Video, I was organizing one day and I walk over to the kids section and lo and behold, there's like a happy tree friends like DVD in the kids section. And I called over my manager and I was like, I don't think that's supposed to be in this section. And she goes, well, that's what the thing says. So that's where it goes. And so I was like, okay. And then the district manager was there the next day. And I was like, I don't think this is supposed to be in this section. And she goes, what makes you say that? And I was like, have you ever seen happy tree friends? Well, no. And I was like, why don't we go back in the office and pop this in? And she goes, man, we could just play it over the screens. And I was like, I don't I think I, that's a good idea. I was like, I, I'm, I'm opposed to this, but I also kind of want to see this happen. <laughs> <laughs> and of course she popped it on for like three seconds and there was like eight customers in there. And everybody was like, what the fuck? And I was, she was like, Oh my God. And shut it off. And I was like, yeah, so why don't you call corporate and tell them that they've got the wrong fucking markings on that? <laughs> that is that is not a children's show. Oh, I would have said nothing. I would have. Said I was gonna nothing. say you're you're too good of an employee. I just want to let it ride and see how it played yeah. out. That's uh, uh, like maybe I would have said something to my first manager, but once they're like, "No, leave it there," I'd be like, "All right, now it's on you guys." <laughs> my. My other favorite one was, uh, so if somebody brought back a DVD case and it had the wrong DVD in it, you know, most a lot of DVDs weren't marked and stuff whenever they first started coming out. So you'd have to play it to figure out if it was the, the right movie or not. And the, <laughs> the proper procedure was you checked it in the back because, you know, who, who knows what they fucking put in there. And we're not supposed to play anything that isn't rated G out in the front. And I was training a new employee and I told them that. And one of them said, oh, here's one and popped it right into the DVD player that went over all the screens. And it was hardcore pornography. <laughs> <laughs> just blaring, just blaring at full Transformers to movie volume, because that's all we ever watched. Oh, Jesus. That reminds me of like video stores that always had that porn section at the back with the fucking saloon doors. Yeah, they talk about that in this movie. How Blockbuster didn't have a porn section, so 
kind of yeah. weird that they didn't like I I don't know what their reason was. Hollywood Video didn't either, but Hollywood Video is owned by Mormons. That'll do it. Yep. Surprised you uh, to carry rated R movies. Uh, they, were, they were they were real fucking weird about it. You'd be amazed the movies that they would refuse to carry because they were like, meh. You know, this doesn't expose our Christian values, and it's like we've got a movie called Lord of the G Strings right there. Right there. <laughs> it's it's a it's a rated R port. Of a hardcore porno. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, I never worked at a video store, and I feel like like I missed out because I wanted to. I, I really genuinely feel like it's one of those. It's I don't use the word regret very often because I always think like, well, it's easy to look yeah. back and think I should, but that's one thing I regret. I don't know why I never worked at a video store. Yeah. I feel like I should have either done that or worked at because we had. Two, two big uh, multiplexes here in town. Yeah. So I could have worked at a movie theater too, like, and I just I never did, and I don't know why. That's those are the two that I would have wanted, and I actually when I was done university and trying to figure out what the hell like to do next, there was a lot of opportunities for management in like hmm. video stores and CD stores and stuff, and I was like very close to like I could make that my career and then I could just get to hang out at those places yeah I wouldn't make as much money as some other careers but I'd get to hang out at those places and I'd probably get discounts and stuff which is where I spend my money anyway and then thank god I dodged that bullet because it was like just a few years before that whole industry just went away so yeah it's funny because a girl I knew from high school did work at one of the local theaters and so she would give me a discount every time I came in Yeah. so it'd be funny because she'd be like uh, okay, uh, that'll be two children for Saw. <laughs> I'd be like, uh, all right. I had a buddy at Jumbo Video for a while, and he would just, uh, like, every time, because they had, a, like, one of those, like, punch cards, and it was like, you rent 10, get one free or whatever. And every time he'd be like, wow, another one? You must rent a lot of movies. And he'd throw it through as a free rental, like, every time. So there'd be a couple of times where I'd be standing in line waiting for him to check me out, and the other cashier would be like, I can take you over here. And like, nah, it's all right, I'll wait. (laughs) (laughs) Super awkward. And when he, like, eventually, like, quit or got fired, I don't know what happened to him, but when I started going in and he wasn't there anymore, I was like, damn it, I got to pay for my movies again. (laughs) Because this is bullshit. It's like this. I have to adjust my budget. Four ninety nine a movie, three four movies a week. I come in a lot less, I think. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, I think you guys should watch this movie. It's on Netflix here in the states. I don't know if it's. It is here as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You guys should check it out. Then it's it's like I said. It's a lot of fun about video store culture. So don't let the blockbuster thing derail yeah. anybody from watching it. <sighs> Um, the other thing I watched was Promising Young Woman, the Carrie Mulligan movie where she goes to a bar, acts like she's drunk, gets picked up by a weird guy, and then turns out she's completely sober and just does that shit to teach people a lesson. This is the one Eric recommended to us, right? Uh, could have been. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I stopped paying attention to what Eric recommended when he, uh. Yeah. Mad at me, so. I, I know you two don't get along, but you're still allowed to recommend each other movies. It's fine. It's so funny. Fucking children. <laughs> don't get along. Like, I have no problem. <laughs> Clearly uh, you do. Uh, Anyways. No, it's good. I liked it. Um, it's just kind of interesting to watch 
um, you know, these situations. And I mean, it's fiction, fine, but there is this thing about them picking up this woman that they think is drunk, like completely wasted. And then when they find out she's completely sober, just watching these people try to like backtrack. And it's just like, no, no, I'm a nice guy, I swear. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know if you were going to be such a nice guy within the last 10 minutes ago. So it's just interesting. Uh, <clears throat> some people might see it as a little too uh, too much of like a feminist movie. Like I mentioned with uh, Black Christmas, the Black Christmas remake. But I feel like this wears it a little bit more on its sleeve. So you kind of know that going into it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I think it plays out interesting. Uh, I was not expecting uh, some stuff that happens towards the end of it. Um, but, you know, still enjoyed it. It's not going to be life-changing or anything, but I would recommend giving it a watch if you get a chance. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Well, next week, we're out of uh, Kurt Russell month. Yeah, March is officially over. It's yeah. actually going to be tight if this gets edited and released by the end of March, isn't it? Uh, we'll see. We'll see how... That was, my, uh, that was my way of putting pressure on you. <laughs> yeah, no, I knew ahead of time that I needed to get on top of it make sure this one gets out on top because it's a little lax this week. But, uh, yeah, so uh, we're out of Kurt Russell month. Time to move on to something different. And uh, we decided to watch two, uh, two, what is it, thrillers from the 90s? Is that the yeah. uh, theme we are going for? Yeah, just just something a little more serious, um, kind of darker a little bit, but yeah. still still from the 90s, so probably not that dark. We'll see how well it holds up. <laughs> Moderate to light dark. Yeah. Um, and so we decided... Uh, Thrillers for the 90s with dealing with, like, married couples would probably be something interesting to take a look at. Uh, so first we're going to check out uh, Breakdown. About a, a wife and husband whose car breaks down and, you know, somebody stops to help them, but turns out they're not very nice people. Uh, then we're going to follow that up with Unlawful Entry, where a cop is trying to help this married couple... Had their house broken into, if I remember correctly. It's been a long time since I watched it. Yeah. But then he gets a little too involved. Maybe one-hour photo style. I think it is sort of, uh, yeah, what if Ray Liotta was one-hour photo yeah. kind of situation. <laughs> so. It's a whole different movie, but yeah. That's the a weird different... thing is, that feels way too plausible. <laughs> it does. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm super glad Ray Liotta doesn't live in my neighborhood. Like, no. He's creepy as shit. <laughs> he might be a very nice man, but there's no way he's not creepy. So The funny thing is, I think his wife, or at least his ex-wife, I don't know. I don't I don't know what his marriage history is. Uh, but my friend Randy told me that his wife at that time has family in Peoria. Oh, and so really? Ray Liotta used to come to Peoria. <laughs> and apparently was kind of a dick to a lot of people. So, well, it's it's got to suck to be somebody like Ray Liotta because, you know, a lot of famous people, you throw on a baseball cap and some loose fitting clothes or something and nobody's going to fucking recognize you. You know, most pop singers are like that. Yeah. But Ray Liotta has one of the most recognizable oh, yeah. fucking face on the planet. <laughs> he, like, even if you were like, are you Ray Liotta? And he tried to talk and say he wasn't. 
he's got one of the most recognizable voices to go right. with. So it's like, <laughs> no, I'm not. It's like, yes, you are. I can tell. <laughs> the also, worst he, thing is he'd have dumb motherfuckers like me being like, oh, dude, I love your movies. Like, no escape is my favorite. And, like, you. and I'd be like, no, seriously. <laughs> what, what do you think is worse for him, that? Or, like, if it's fucking uh, people just walking up and just quoting Goodfellas at him again, and he's just like, God damn it, every day? It's like, I get it. I was in that movie. I understand. It's Because it, that, like, that's kind of a mixed bag for people. I watched an interview with Ernie Hudson once. And he's like, it happens all the time. You're like walking down the street and you're, hey, Ernie. And you look over and they're like, who are you going to call? And he's like, I don't want to say anything because they're so happy. Like they think they're the first ones to think to do this. But it happens all the time. <laughs> it's like, I, I can't imagine what life is like for those people. It must be so I'm, weird. I'm sure I've told the Ernie Hudson story on this show before. Yes, I believe you have. But just in case anybody hasn't, I'll try to make a brief one. My friend Randy was, we were at a convention and Ernie Hudson was there and apparently he was in full Ghostbuster regalia and was at the urinal and Randy went in, went to the bathroom, came back, he's like, I just peed next to a Ghostbuster. And so he told us, yeah, he was in like full costume, it was great. And I like, did you ask him if he could cross the streams? And he's like, no, fuck. Missed opportunity. I'm like, you just, you just wasted your life. You just wasted your life. That, that would be kind of surreal to see him there in full costume. <laughs> yeah, he's doing like photo ops or something at his table, yeah, but, I think. But it's I'm still sure, like I'm sure it's not just how he dresses day to day. I'm sure it was for yeah, yeah. photo op, yeah. But yeah, it would just be kind of a surreal experience. It would be funny just to kind of lean and be like, Hey Ernie, don't cross the streets. Uh, should we talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Sure, let's do that. I don't yeah. know if there's a whole Both lot to get in. I don't know if there's a whole lot to get into, but... You guys want to know a weird thing before we get started? What's that? So, whenever I'm... Like, almost always, I've got some TV show that I'm watching that I don't really care about, but I just yeah. use it as background noise, or, like, if I just need a few minutes to sit after I put the kid to bed or whatever. And so, like, a week ago, I started re-watching uh, My Name is Earl, Oh yeah, because I thought that's yeah, mild. Okay. It's mildly entertaining, and it's uh, something I've seen before, so I yeah. can just be background noise when I'm doing stuff around the house. Hey Earl, not, hey Crabman. Did, did not expect. Did not expect. I know Marvel reaches everywhere for inspiration for their storylines. Yeah. <laughs> did not expect it to connect with Mer to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Really? It does. Sure, it's a whole show about a guy who makes a list of all the things he did wrong and spends his time going around <laughs> trying to undo it. Uh, I didn't know I'd be watching. Uh, now I'm going to start getting characters confused uh, between the two shows. That's great. <laughs> um, so I guess a spoilery discussion of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes. Like we said, not a lot. This is a lot different than WandaVision. I'm so glad they did WandaVision first. Because I feel like this is just kind of more of the same for Marvel stuff. I don't really what? care which one came first, but I'm glad they're very different. Yeah. I feel like it's just continuing kind of the, the uh, Captain America stuff they've been doing, which is fine because that's what the show's I, about. Yeah, but you you feel like tonally this is the same as is just the generic Marvel stuff that's came out. Uh, it's the so, same. so far, 
Yeah. I, I would say it's in line with Winter Soldier and Civil War, but which yeah. are different from a lot of the other Marvel stuff. I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. I feel like this, it takes so much of a, uh, I don't know, serious isn't the right word, maybe somber. <laughs> yeah, for sure, which I, I feel like they were doing in a lot of the... Uh last couple Avengers movies and stuff. I mean, that was leading up to more of like a space epic, I guess, but just, I don't know. It feels like more like what I would expect out of Marvel stuff where I'm just glad WandaVision was so weird and left field that it kind of broke it up. And now I can get back into it and, you know, be fine with it. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, I actually thought maybe this was even a bigger departure from Marvel stuff than WandaVision was. No, because I mean, again, it's, I, I, well, because in, instead of being a a big crazy special effects fest, instead it's this deep dive into these characters' personal lives. Yeah, but they do have like the action sequences, like right Fal- Falcon with like a well, all the helicopter stuff they did and stuff like That's... that. <clears throat> And I'm not saying it's bad. Like I've, I well, and I it. think I think they would. I think they needed that because I think the normie audience would have been bored to tears if you didn't have a little bit of sure that stuff going sure. on. Well, yeah. and and you're also you're trying to establish where these characters are in their new world. That's basically the whole point of this first episode is setting everything up. Yeah, and for sure. You want to know that Falcon is holding his own and that he's still he's able to be this hero on his own without Captain America around because we have never really seen him do that mm-hmm. and you know and, given the way given the way it opens with him turning over the shield and choosing not to be the new Captain America even though he has that opportunity and feeling less than we need the audience to know that he's capable yeah and I mean what better opponent to, to set that up than Batrock the Leaper <laughs> <laughs> which, yes. which I, I was happy to see him again so I didn't really care I was like, yes, in, in all, in all honesty though most people are just going to they're going to say hey that's George St. Pierre they're not going to yeah. piece together who he is then if you expand that to a, like a, a movie audience they're going to be like oh yeah that's the guy that actually held his own against Captain America for a minute right so they'll get that much and then of course comic book fans is like it okay it's Balrock or whatever the fuck however you pronounce it um, no. But I, yeah, I think it's a, it's actually a really clever one to put in there because it is depending on what level you're at, he, it works on different levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so that stuff was fun. Uh, I thought the Bucky stuff was interesting. At first, me and Amanda are like, "Why is he hanging out with this old guy? Is it because he's like technically old and he feels more comfortable hanging out with old people?" Like, I, we were trying first, to find weird like yeah. inroads, <laughs> and then when they reveal it, I'm like, "Oh no." This is yeah. like a hundred times more sad than what we thought it was. <laughs> yeah, it was hard. At first, I'm like, are they like, did they fight together in the war? And then because the guy's like Japanese, I'm like, oh, did they fight against each other in the war? And now they're like making up kind of thing. And then all of a sudden I'm like, no. And then, like you say, when the reveal comes, you're like, oh, shit. It's so it's so dark and it's so sad. And it's like you really feel for that character for, for Bucky, like of just being like, the idea of waking up in a world and knowing you've done these terrible things, even though you really didn't have a choice, you still know you did them must be so fucking hard. And I think they played that up just right. 
Yeah. Yeah. I thought I I wonder if this is going to continue as a through line through the next phase of the movies and stuff. But it's it's interesting that WandaVision and this movie are both kind of dealing with the same thing. They're kind of dealing with the idea of, you know, okay, yeah, you're a superhero, but you're also damaged. How do how do those things work out <laughs> like, yeah like it, it it's basically like if you look at it, the first three phases of marvel films was all this build up to these big huge battles big huge battles and now we're like yeah but now there's there's fallout from that that these guys who participated in this guys and girls i guess we should say are they're dealing with the consequences now of everything that's gone on and that's interesting and i think when we get back into theaters, we're going to be back to big giant battles. There's no way to avoid that. But the idea that then we can deal with the consequences of those battles in these shows is a really interesting idea, and I'm glad they're doing it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have my vaccine by the time uh, Black Widow comes out. I'm excited for that. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed, hmm. I will too, but I'm not sure. Um. Seems like I had another point. I completely forgot what it was. Sure, it was super important. Yeah. Oh, uh, Falcon stuff with his sister. I thought that stuff was was good. Yeah. I that that scene where they're trying to get alone. Yeah. Is I I don't know because there's there's so much going on there. Mm-hmm. It is weird because they do bring up a point. <laughs> That someone's like, well, how much do you make being an Avenger? And he's like, I don't, I don't get money for being an Avenger. So then when it becomes like, well, we're getting a loan, like, part of me is like, I do kind of see like the bank's point where it's like, but you don't have any money. Well, ex- except the problem is, is that he does have proof of income and stuff. I, I, I liked the idea that they were like, well, but you don't have anything for the last five years. And it's like, but that's the blip. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, which is which is fascinating because it, it, at the same time, you you tell yourself that's so fucking unrealistic. Everybody knows it happened. Why would they? But knowing how the American financial system works, that's exactly oh, yeah. what the fuck they would do. Oh, they would yeah. use it as an excuse to fuck everybody. Totally. They for they take your fucking house from you. Be like, oh, you didn't make house payment for five years. That's ours yeah. now. Totally. No, I, I completely believe it, but I just I just liked how they're trying to approach this from shit that you don't even wouldn't even think about. Like, okay, you you were vaporized for uh, five years. Like now, what the fuck? When you come back to your life, like how do you put it back together? Yeah, and it's it's not just like the tension with the bank is interesting, but the tension between him and his sister too, where he's like he's still got a, a, a level of optimism that she after five years of struggling has lost and it's like how do you reconcile that like you can't blame her for being a little frustrated if she's the one that's had to take on this business for all these years even Mm -hmm. though it's not really his fault like he was you know what i mean like you can't blame him for the fact that he was gone but you can't blame her for being annoyed that she had to do his share of the work basically yeah so it, it it's very interesting the way they're getting into that and i think it's it's I was going to say, it's also interesting seeing people throw up. So there's a lot of like articles and shit online from idiots who don't understand how anything works. But 
<laughs> it's people comparing the people coming back in the blip in like Spider-Man versus these, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And how they're showing different. And they were like, Oh, they, they fixed it because in Spider-Man it was funny. And it was like, yeah, but there would be funny stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. that's, there that's could the just truth. be both. Yeah. 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 There would Marching. be funny stuff. There would also be horrible stuff. And then there yeah. would be just inconvenient stuff. Yeah. 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 Seeing a marching band show up on a basketball court in the middle of a game, like that's, that's hilarious. That's inherently funny. But yeah, like the chaos of seeing when Monica comes back in WandaVision, like that's kind of scary. And then you get to hear, and it's like, yeah, there's some shitty stuff like that went down when people just show back up again. And what do they say the number is? Like, was it like five billion people just reappeared or whatever? Right, right, right. Yeah. And, it's, and it is like, oh, fuck. Like, we've just started living our lives without these five billion people. Now, what the fuck do we do with them? No, but like yeah. you think about it compared to the real world, like we were, there was people talking a while back, like what would happen if 1% of the world's population died and everyone kind of just was in agreement that that would be absolutely devastating to every economy. Like mm. our world is not prepared to handle that kind of a shift while well, you're talking literally 50 times that. Yeah. You know, in, in this in this universe, and it's like, yeah, okay, it's it's a fake universe, so it's not going to have all the same problems. But obviously, I'm glad that they're treating those problems seriously, and they're getting back to what Marvel did really well in Phase One, which is, yeah, Spider-Man showed us the funny stuff, and uh, now these guys are going to show us the more serious side of it. We have a different different heroes doing different things, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah. Um, anything else? Uh, well, you get to see the new Captain America. Yeah, we don't see which, much of it. No, which fits into this uh, this month's theme. I like his his douchey yeah. smile. That's gonna be great. <laughs> what it I liked a, about it. It was a weird. Sh- it was a weird shot of him because like the helmet's making his ears stick out. It's just this weird looking shot but I, then I if you look at should, like if i think you look they at, did it on purpose yeah, yeah. but then if, if you look at like promotional artwork you know promotional pictures of the character the marvel has put out like he looks way more badass than normal <laughs> but this is weird like yeah i don't know just weird look but he's played by uh wyatt russell which is kurt russell's son so yeah Fits so into our why, theme for the that's month. why they had to release this before the end of the month. If anyone was wondering how Disney Plus yeah. makes their release dates, it was yeah. to fit into our month. So exactly. But what what I really liked about that whole reveal was, um, it's like Captain America didn't fix anything because he kind of had his battle against the U.S. government and standing up for his way of doing things. And they're still slimy little fucks, right? Because they tricked Falcon into giving them the shield back so that they could do this when they knew damn well that his, his intention was to have it be put on display as part of the, whatever those museums are called that you people have. Um, Smithsonian, the Smithsonian. Oh yeah. Um, he is uh so he you know he obviously felt strongly that it belonged there and they just tricked him and that sets them up as the bad guys 
going forward, which they kind of always have been in the MCU. Mm-hmm. But it shows that that battle isn't over, and that it's an it's creates the idea that that's sort of a never-ending battle between our heroes and the powers in charge of the world and this kind of struggle for who's in author- who has real authority and I think that's it's good that that's not like going away post Endgame because they kind of did ignore that battle during the last two Avengers movies yeah I was, it, it's interesting that uh, an, another one of those articles I read of course they were talking about how the the naming of a new Captain America was like the ultimate betrayal of Steve Rogers or whatever, because it's the government completely disregarding his wishes. And I was like, yeah, but Sam completely disregarded his wishes, too. Yeah. I mean, he made it pretty explicit who he wanted to be the next Captain America. Yeah. And I mean, I think that at the end of the day, the way WandaVision was you know, a multi-episode story arc that turned out to just be um, character introduction for Scarlet Witch. This will be character introduction for new Captain America. And Sam will walk away in that, in a flying Captain America suit at the end, I believe. Yeah, yeah. should be fun. I'm excited to see how uh, John Walker plays out in this series, because yeah. I find his character interesting in the comics. So, we'll so see. So, speaking uh, of... Uh, Speaking of comics, you guys are nerdier than me on this on these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the deal with that gang that attacked in? So in the in the comic books, Flag Smasher is one guy. Okay, that's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah they they just kind of changed it. In which that I mean, it makes I, their version is going to be better because Flag Smasher is a fucking stupid ass shit villain. <laughs> comic, okay. <so. laughs> In, yeah. in which they have a pretty good track record of that, of taking a stupid-ass shit villain and making them interesting. So, Like like Batrock the Leaper? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for, and then from what I... I've not read a whole lot on them, but from what I've seen of stuff, they were able to then transition in the comics and actually make Batrock, like, halfway decent rather than sort of the goofy hmm, comedy guy that he was originally. Um, anything else? Not really. I mean, it's as much as I liked the show and I liked getting back in with these characters. I not a lot happened, right? It was a yeah. setup show. Yeah, which it's is, a setup it's, show. It's fine. That's it's not a complaint. It's just that's what happens in season one, episode one of a new show. Yeah. So we'll see. It'll be it'll be interesting because the one of the big difference between this show and Wandavision was like. WandaVision, it was the main characters, and then they were like, and they casted these few people who were they. And then, of course, we had the surprise people show up that we were like, oh, shit, callbacks. But this show, they've casted a fuck ton of people. <laughs> like, oh, And there's a fuck ton of people we know are returning. So this is going to be a bigger... I don't know. They have they have even somehow even more ground to cover in this than they did in WandaVision. Yeah, I was trying to remember while I was watching it if I knew that Don Cheadle was going to be in this. So I honestly don't either didn't know or forgot and was excited to see him when he showed up. I mean, I know they said he was going to show up because he's also going to get a uh, show, right? And that what yeah. it is. Armor Wars. Yeah, Armor Wars. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it'll be fun to see kind of what happens. And this one's only six episodes, which may end up leaving us wanting more by the time it's over. So we'll have to see. And it'll be on to Loki in June. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm, I have high hopes based on this. I think my hopes when they announced this show was that it would be a continuation of the Captain America film series. And I think yeah. that's what they've done. Yeah. Which is good. Those are still my favorite Marvel movies are those. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy it's easy to love Endgame or Infinity War because it's got everybody in it. But when it comes down to the debate between, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy versus the Captain America movies, I'm always on the Captain America side. Yeah. Winter Winter Soldier is still, I think, the best movie. Yeah. Like I, I, think, I think Winter Soldier and Civil War, I think, are probably the two best. It's just like one is a direct sequel to the other. So, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> all right. Anything else? Nope. No, I think we're good. Uh, do you want to talk about Justice League, Noah? Sure. Um, so the four-hour Snyder cut came out. Fuck it. So- uh, apparently, it drove everybody crazy. Like, apparently, it's done super well on HBO Max. Um, which I find interesting considering it's a four hour movie, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It kind of, uh, completely changes for me anyway. Like the justice league movie. I, to be honest, I did not rewatch the Snyder, the Whedon cut. Why the fuck would you No, once was enough. And, uh, but I will say watching this version um, I would say I greatly enjoyed it over the Whedon cut. Right, but it's but. better. But is it good? Um, because I'm I'm still leaning on the side of it's it's still not that good. It's it's much better. Uh, I consider it good, but. It still is a culmination of movies that have giant problems, in my opinion. So those giant problems are still carrying over into this movie. But if you take certain things out of context, like I feel like the last hour of this movie, I thought was fantastic. Like the just the big showdown with uh, the Justice League and Steppenwolf, like sort of their attack on his headquarters or whatever. Yeah, there's only one moment I have a complaint about. Yeah, I loved all that stuff. I'm like, this is what I want to see in a, in a Justice League movie. Like, this is it. But Although, once, the, once again, too dark. Dark toilet water. Sure. Because it's sure. fucking Zack Snyder who g- claims that he wants you to see beautiful things and then makes yeah. it so you can't see anything. Sure. But if you, yeah. Eventually, like, I just kind of looked past all that stuff and just kind of was into the movie. So... That didn't bother me nearly as much, but I, I can, I definitely see that as a problem. But like substance-wise, like watching that last hour, I'm like, this is this is it. Like this is what I would want in a Justice League movie. Like all of this action is what I would want. Um, that being said, the the story part of everything, going all the way back to Man of Steel up through the Snyder Cut of Justice League, is still the problem. 
Right. And I feel they tried to make up too much ground and stuff. I don't know. Like, so Cyborg is much improved because yeah. adding, you know, adding all that stuff in gives him an actual arc and makes mm. his character worth paying attention to. Yeah. And he actually does something in this movie now. Right. Compared to, to the Whedon one. Right. But it would have been better served to just have a fucking cyborg movie. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't. It, it's such a fucking waste. And yes, Flash was improved by adding in the, the scene with him saving Iris and stuff. Great. Uh, see, I didn't even really like that scene all that much. But I don't oh, like, really see. I, I, I dug it because you were like, OK, they gave us some actual like. Uh, interesting super speed stuff. Yeah, I guess. But just after we've already seen Quicksilver do it multiple times in multiple X-Men movies. Right. It's just sort of like, yeah, too little, too late. And I still think he's a shitty Flash. I still don't like that version of the Flash. But I like that he had some stuff to do during the big fight, which someone pointed out. I even forgot. His role in the Whedon one was to rescue four people from collapsing buildings. Oh yeah, the the weird Russian family yeah. story arc that Yeah. That was his entire job in the Whedon version. And yeah, then and, this and, he, one, and then he trips and falls down in the big fight. And then in this one, he saves he saves the world. Like literally so, without him, every, every like everything's ruined. Can I ask you guys a spoilery question? Yes. Is it true that he does the whole run so fast you turn back time thing oh yes do you guys remember last week when i said i don't like it when superman does that i know but i would say this is actually relevant because that does sort of happen in the comics a lot don't care he's able to go back in time in this one he explains that he's running faster than the speed of light which is what causes time to reverse so there's my complaint. So they sure. set the whole thing up about him because they, they basically they set it up twice. The first time he's talking to Batman and he makes a comment about if I run near the speed of light, things get wonky. I have like a rule against it because it's dangerous. Yeah. And then, of course, we have the moment where he has to jump start the mother box in order to bring Superman back in which you see time reverse just a teeny, teeny, tiny little bit. Yeah. So we've got it all set up and it's great. Why at the end of that fucking movie does he literally have to explain the plot of what he's getting ready to do in a fucking monologue? It's the dumbest that series of lines spoken in the fucking movie. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, you inept pieces of shit. (laughs) That is terrible filmmaking. Sure. He's you know, okay. You got to do it, Barry. You got to run faster than the speed of light. You got to turn back time. You got to do it, Barry. And it's like we already know what the fuck you're gonna do. <laughs> it's a four-hour fucking movie. You had time to set it up. You don't need to fucking talk about it. Like him saying, "You can do this, Barry." The end. That's that's it. That's all you needed. Yeah. Whole line. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Zack Snyder needed something, some audio to fill that slow-mo time that Doug would love so much. Although for the fact that I don't, I don't much care for the special effects in, in the Snyder movies because I feel like they're so unpolished compared to other stuff Mm. that, that particular special effect, the effect of him running back in time. Yeah. And 
that the just so Doug, there's like basically this wave of destruction destroying the earth coming toward him. And he takes off he takes off running and he's running toward the wave coming toward him. And of course, then time starts to reverse. And it's this crazy thing of as he's running, the ground's basically like reforming under his feet. Like with each step, it's it's actually a really mm. cool shot. And then when they get to the epicenter, you see that basically everybody had died during this giant. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't want to call it. A... You literally got to see Super uh, Superman's face get melted off. Yeah. So I don't want to say like uh, uh, it was an explosion. Like I don't know. It's it's more powerful than an explosion, but yeah, it's powerful enough to kill Superman and. Wonder Woman, Batman, like everybody. Everybody dies in this explosion. And as he's running towards them, you see like everything reforming. And so you see fucking Superman's like skeletal arm is like flesh is going back onto it and Cyborg's face like reassembles itself. And that stuff's pretty rad. Yeah. I don't like it when they turn back time like that. <laughs> Because then, to me, to me, if you can do that, then nothing has any consequences. Sure. And then, well, well I'm, I'm assuming if they ever make the Flash solo movie, the whole point of the Flash yeah. time travel stuff is that it always has consequences. Yeah. Uh, especially because I, I think they're talking about doing Flashpoint for the movie, which yeah, I don't know. Part of me is always like, why do we do like these super early? superhero stories for for like their first movie like a whatever well that's but, that's a whole thing with this whole snyder versus even yeah. this like justice league shouldn't even have happened when it did and that's part of the problem right? no totally i totally agree with that stab- i mean batman and superman should not have fought in the first movie that they were in together because yeah. they weren't established and there's no emotion to that fight because these aren't characters that we have yeah. known and loved unless you assume we know them going in, but then you change oh, them. No. So no, I completely agree. Like DC, the DC EU, is that what they call it? I don't it's, know. it's completely fucked. Like they, they started off completely horrible with this whole thing. So that's what I'm saying. Even all the movies have problems and this is a culmination of all those movies. Well, ain't still problems. And even then, you know, Snyder's trying to rub it in everybody's face that people are digging this version of it in which one, I think they're just fucking DC fanboys that are giving it more credit than it actually deserves. Sure. Yeah. But he's talking about his sequels that'll never get made. And every one of them, I'm like, that's fucking stupid. It's a stupid fucking thing that you're talking about. Yeah. I don't I don't get how you're supposed to be trying to amp me up by being like, oh, that pregnancy test? Lois is pregnant with Bruce's baby, not Superman's. Because they fuck they fucked at some point. And it's yeah, like it's stupid. But at what point? Um Yeah. And uh, he was gonna do a whole movie with that post apocalyptic shit at the end. Yeah, that was supposed to be like the third in the Justice League trilogy. Like we're gonna end up there, right? You know what the funny thing is, yeah. though. He was he was talking about it like it was this super original, great idea, and I was like, it's Apocalypse War. They already made it. Yeah, it's it's already it's already happened. They already did that. Um, I did find Steppenwolf a lot better in this movie, uh, oh, yeah. both both visually and character wise. Um, yeah, he's more interesting. 
in the in the original movie, Steppenwolf, the big villain, shows up to collect these mother boxes. I don't even remember. Were the mother boxes in the original one? Yes. Okay. I couldn't remember if that was part of it or not. Um, which seems even weirder taking Cyborg out of most of that. You don't remember that? You don't remember the fact that through the entire the original movie, Steppenwolf also talks to the boxes and refers to them as mother the entire time? I don't because I mother. saw that shit, saw that movie in the theater and walked down and went like that was a piece of fucking garbage. Um but so he has been he's come to Earth to, you know, collect these mother boxes, just like in the Whedon version, but we find out his motivations are that he is dishonored dark side somehow so he did something and got basically got kicked out of uh dark side's good graces and so he's come to earth to try to collect these boxes and terraform the planet or whatever to make it more like a pox apocalypse to please dark side to try to get his good graces again it at least gives him some sort of motivation Whereas the last version, he just showed up and is like, yeah, I'm getting these mother boxes to destroy shit. And that was basically like the end of it. And then they've completely revamped his appearance. He looks way more badass in this movie. I digged, I dig the fact that they threw in the uh, anti-life equation into the mix. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, somebody did point out, though, that it's weird that... So they show this giant flashback to, like thousands of years ago when Darkseid did come to Earth and try to conquer it. And basically the Amazons and the Atlanteans and humans and uh, Green uh, Lanterns. A couple Green Lanterns and the gods, like Zeus and all them, uh, all basically beat the, beat the shit out of Darkseid and he left. But then later they make it sound like he's been searching for this planet again as the planet that that held their own against him. And I'm like, really? You don't you don't remember which planet it was that you got your ass kicked on and sent back home? Like, and Steppenwolf just stumbles across it? Like, I, I didn't understand that whole part. I, I kind of did, because I think it's supposed to be whenever he came originally, he wasn't Darkseid. Yeah. He was, uh, oh, what was he called? Umok or whatever. Yeah. And things change. Although they're leaving something out, because, I mean, if the chair exists, then he would know the answer. But <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know if in this universe, the what the fuck is that thing called? The Mobius chair or whatever. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. You get to see Granny Goodness for about two seconds. I know. I was kind of pumped about that. And the funny thing is, since me and Amanda both watched, he was he was a character that wasn't even in the uh, Whedon cut at all. And uh, they were able to bring the him weird in. thing is, that whole scene was shot. They just cut it out in the Whedon version. The one with uh, Martha? Yeah. Yeah. Let's say the one at the end was definitely a reshoot because, man, Ben Affleck's definitely not in Batman shape anymore. Well, like he, like he doesn't look bad. Like I would kill, I would knife somebody on this podcast right now to be as in good a shape as he is. But he's definitely not in that beefed up Batman physique that he had when they made Justice League. Right. My my problem was so they did that scene, and then I was like, well, 
you can't just do that. That doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> like no, and it was horrible. Like the dialogue was horrible. The, the interaction was horrible. The whole thing was kind of terrible. You're like, so this character shows up because he has a lot of direct interest in Lois Lane not being sad anymore. <laughs> it, it's just like it's it's I don't know, it's just dumb. Yeah. I don't I don't understand any of his possible motivations. Do you know who the Martian Manhunter is, Doug? Yeah. Okay. So this is a scene where Superman's mom shows up to Lois's apartment. Because we find out Lois has basically been mourning the entire time Superman's been dead. Well, sure. like she, she pretty much quit quit the Daily Planet. She never formally quit, but they, they say that she just literally just stopped showing up for work. And she just, every day, gets up, goes to the Superman memorial that's set up. Um, which they illustrate this by uh, her buying the cop that's on duty at that intersection coffee every morning. Who I didn't realize was played by the guy that played Jimmy Olsen in the old Superman movies. So that was a nice nod. Um, and that's all she does. She just goes to that. She goes home. She kind of mopes around. And so <clears throat> Martha Kent shows up and, you know, basically says, like, oh, you know, I've I lost the farm. I got behind on payments. So I've you know moved into the city. And uh, Lois is like, you know, you can stay here as long as you need. And she's like, oh, no, I'm not here for that. It's just I try to get a hold of you at work. They said you haven't come into work. And basically her this whole conversation is just set up that like Lois, like I miss him, too. But you have you can't like give up on your life like you have to move on and all this stuff. And, you know, they have this conversation and then Martha leaves, and when she walks out of the hallway, her eyes start glowing, and she transforms into uh, the general from uh, Man of Steel at the end. Yeah. Okay. So and there was always a rumor that that was supposed to be Martian Manhunter, and then this pretty much confirms it. And he just talks to nobody, he just talks to the hallway, and says the, says, the world needs you too, Lois. Basically, you know, saying that her job as a reporter is super important. <laughs> I was going to say, once once again, mo monologuing stuff because Zack Snyder yeah. is a shit filmmaker. <laughs> yeah. And then he uh, and then he leaves. And apparently that is enough to kind of get her like thinking about getting back to her life. And I'm going to go to the memorial one more time to say goodbye. And of course, that happens to be the day that they bring Superman back to life. And then he shows up, the Martian Manhunter shows up at the very end to talk to Bruce Wayne, because apparently everybody just knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman at this point. And uh, basically just telling him, like, if you get in a fight, I'll be there by your side. It's like a horrible conversation. Yeah. And, and it's it's a... Does he, does he show up for the fight in well, the movie? No, because this is after the fight. This is right. this okay. is after everything's done. He's saying... Yeah. If you, once if you once again... Fights, He's he's clearly aware that all this is going on, and he just is well, like, yeah, they got this. Yeah. So in the future, if you need my help, I will show up and fight by your side. And Affleck's kind of like, all right. And then Martian Manor flies off, and Ben Affleck just walks back inside his house. That all sounds fucking stupid. It is terrible. Um, yeah, that all sounds stupid, and I saw the picture of him, and the picture of him looks stupid. It so. is. It's horrible CGI. 
And it also sounds like Zack Snyder <laughs> trying to tell us, like, see, Lois is important too, but instead of making her important in the plot, they just have a character say she's important. Yeah. Well, the, the whole thing is they've already established through the nightmare sequences and stuff that basically what's going to happen is when Darkseid arrives with, because in the movie he also, you, after they close the gate and all that kind of stuff and stop the mother boxes, you get to see him be like, ready the armada, I guess we'll do this the old-fashioned way, you know? But when he arrives, Lois Lane is going to die, and because she's dead, he's going to be able to use the anti-life equation to make Superman evil and conquer the world. I mean, they've they've spilled it out in the most blatant, obvious. Once again, Zack Snyder fucking sucks. <laughs> he can't. He is an, he is not a good storyteller. Yeah, like nothing you guys have said has made me have any more interest in seeing this than I had at the beginning of this conversation. It's oh, I didn't. I didn't think we would have anything to get yeah. you to watch it. So I don't. I don't even know who I'd recommend it to. Even trying to recommend this to like a diehard comic book person, I'd. I'd have to be like, it's four fucking hours long. You could probably skip it. Yeah, like I just. I, I've been listening. I've been listening to reviews of it, and I've been reading up on it and stuff because it's just everywhere, and I'm a bit of a pop culture junkie. So I end up reading up on it, and it's just like. Yeah, people seem to like this one better than the Whedon cut. That's fine. I haven't watched the Whedon cut either, to be fair. <laughs> but it's... Um, nothing about this sounds good to me. The only thing I was, that I liked of really any of that sort of hardcore DCU stuff is Affleck's performance as Batman, and I watched the one scene with Joker, and it was terrible. So, like... Well... I would say that's another complaint they do that. He was trying to do this story arc about from the last movie to this movie that Batman goes from being the pessimist to being the optimist Why in the group. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But you have like, I don't know. He turns him into smiley, stupid fucking Bob Kane. Batman. Does that make sense? Like, did we lose Brian? Brian are there? Probably just got bored of talking about justice like, this is terrible uh, we can't we can't hear you if you're talking <laughs> so for the listeners at home brian is now sending us messages in written format oh it doesn't matter we're pretty i don't know if he can anyway, hear we? yeah i was like i don't i don't know if he can hear us either uh, he can hear us that's good news he probably really wants to contribute oh oh it got loud that's got to be brian hello yeah, now we can hear you. Okay, I think you're hearing me over my laptop mic, because for some reason, this mic yeah. just stopped working. There's a ton of background noise, so we're <laughs> definitely probably getting the laptop mic. That's all right. Um, my, my point was, the Leto Joker is still fucking terrible. I've never liked it. It's so horrible. Um, it, was, it was at least better, because he wasn't Thuggalo Joker. <laughs> It's true. He didn't have the, the fucking tattoos or whatever. But um, that stuff was terrible. I don't even know why the uh, the nightmare stuff was put at the end. I guess to show what they were building towards. But they've Zack Snyder himself and Warner Brothers has specifically said they're not moving forward with any sort of sequels to this or anything. So I don't understand what the point of setting all that shit up was. But. I don't know. I'm I'm assuming in a year we're going to hear 
that HBO is going to be like, oh, we're doing it. Yeah. Um, the only thing that's disappointing is they do set up the uh, solo Batman movie with uh, uh, Deathstroke, Deathstroke. Show, showing up on uh, Luther's ship and Luther telling him, like, uh, you want to know about Batman? Batman is Bruce Wayne. And I'm just like, does everybody fucking know that Bruce Wayne is Batman in, the, in this universe? Like, what the fuck? Um so well in the trailers to this Batman reveals himself to many many different people so yeah <laughs> without even watching the movie I would say yeah he's not very careful with his no he, identity. he also he also throws a battering at somebody's face without knowing that they have yeah. super speed well he knows that's why he's there in the first place no he knows he has abilities he even uh, admits that's, that's he true. doesn't know what he can do that's true he just disappears at certain points on video. That's right. Um, yeah, I don't know. That was dumb. But, yeah, like, everybody just knows that he's he's Bruce Wayne is Batman, apparently. Like, there's no qualms about that. Although they do make jokes about not revealing that Bruce Wayne is Batman with the Flash later. But what the fuck ever. Um, but then at the end of the movie, they show that he's going to... He's gonna, fix up Wayne Manor because it's been in disarray because he doesn't live there anymore. And they're going to make that the, like the Justice League uh, headquarters. Why doesn't he live there? Uh, I don't it, I think it was a Batman versus Superman. They commented that he hasn't lived in the manor for decades or whatever. Yeah, because he's supposed to be dark Batman. So he lives in that house that's like almost entirely made of glass on the lake. Yeah. Um, I don't care. But so he's going to put the Justice League headquarters in Wayne Manor, and I'm like, well, doesn't that just tell everybody like uh, that you're Batman? Oh, there's there's another positive. Uh, there's more Alfred stuff, and it's all really good. That I would agree with. Jeremy Irons is fantastic. This Alfred. Yeah. So the there's there's a scene where Wonder Woman goes to make herself some tea. And, like, Alfred's basically micromanaging her over her shoulder about how you properly make tea. <laughs> and it's, it's pretty good. Because he keeps offering to make it for her. And she's like, no, I can do it myself. And then he's just like, uh, uh, you want to you wanna put the water in first? You don't want to scald the tea? Oh, okay. Uh, that's probably enough tea. You don't want to put any more than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. What I'm getting from this conversation is that a lot of the stuff you guys like is stuff that could be taken out to get this down to a shorter time frame because I don't think it matters plot wise whether Alfred helps her make her tea or not. Oh it doesn't. I so think that's I that's think real easily you could have split this movie into two movies. Yeah. In and made it much better. Like I said, Cy Cyborg really has enough of a story arc and enough content and enough that they don't bother to delve into that you could have made a cyborg movie between Dawn of Justice and this. Mm -hmm. and, and this movie could have been two hours long and it would have been good. They could have done like Infinity War and Endgame with this movie. The first movie could just be uh, Steppenwolf trying to get the mother boxes. And at the same time, uh, Bruce Wayne's trying to assemble the Justice League, get everybody together. And then the second movie could just be the big battle of trying to stop Steppenwolf from destroying the world. 
and stuff. Or if you want to do a time travel thing that might actually be uh, quasi-interesting, they could have had this whole movie happen and then at the end have the whole, oh, fuck, we lost, and then have Barry run back and reset it and basically make the movie again <laughs> in, a, in a different way. Sure. Doug would have hated that even more. That's a that's a very meta way to make me hate this movie. <laughs> Did you hate the time travel stuff in Endgame? No, because it's okay. Different. Sure, I'm I'm just questioning if it's time travel itself is. No, it's not time travel. It's not it's, good, or it's reversing time that I have an issue with. Okay, I know hmm. that I know that those are connected, but they are different. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know. What else did you like? Know anything else? Yeah, like all the stuff. I'm I'm trying to think because he keeps bringing up the time travel thing. I was, but I like Flash's time travel stuff. Yeah, I always like I like the idea of I think they call them uh, what, what is it time quakes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then whenever he goes back in time, he causes the equivalent of a sonic boom, but it's it's temporal in nature. So yeah. even. Even stuff that he doesn't come in contact with, he still changes it. He, like, fucks it all up. Yeah. Essentially, like, whoa, what are they? It's like the ripple in the pond effect. Yeah, it's 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 like the butterfly effect, but it's bigger than yeah. that. Because yeah. in, like, a, like, I'm trying to think of what it is. I think it's Red Sun. That series, I think, starts with him time traveling, too. And it shifts where the Superman's uh, spaceship lands, yeah. which which fucks up everything. <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, I think that happens in Flashpoint too. It's it's something small. It makes it land like three miles further down the road than it did, so the government gets to him before. Yeah, Monpa so can't do. <sighs> The only thing I really want from Flashpoint is uh, Thomas Wayne Batman. Because I loved all that stuff. And apparently Jeffrey Dean Morgan really wants to play him if they do it. So that'd be pretty dope. Yeah, I'd be down. We'll see what happens. I don't I, I have no idea what the fuck their plans are at this point. So the nice thing is Shazam is uh, siloed from these movies because although Superman shows up in Shazam, mm-hmm. they don't show his face. So yeah, it could be any actor you want it to be. And the, we've got Black Adam coming, which I'm sure Black Adam will be. Oh, did you hear the big casting news today? No, they're going to do uh, Pierce Brosnan as Doctor Fate. What? Yeah. You lie. You lie. Oh, I'm 100% serious. For, why, do you, yeah. why do you lie? Black Adam, they just Pierce Brosnan, Doctor Fate. I was like, that's fantastic. I'm completely on board with that casting. You gotta be lying to me. <laughs> why? Why was I not told? <laughs> I was not consulted about this. Fire, fire my secretary. Uh, and then. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of do kind of wish we would get uh, the Ben Affleck Batman, though. I actually did. No, I know it's not, but I still 
still kind of wish it would, just because I, I like Ben Affleck's Batman. I, I when it was first announced that Ben Affleck was going to be writing, directing, and starring in a Batman movie, I was very excited yeah. for. It. And every time he took a step further away from being in complete control, I'm like, yeah, I'm losing interest in this. Yeah. Not just because he was stepping away, but when you started to hear the stories of why he was stepping away, you're just like, fuck. Like, you have this great opportunity and you're going to screw it up. Mm. Yeah. Like, oh, say, they're like, doing the whole fucking Justice Society. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Sorry, go on. No, I just made Noah's day, so. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a bummer. I... I you know things that could have been but again there's still it's still continuing on characters from problematic movies it's still like so. all of this is starting with man of steel which is shit yeah and uh, to go ahead and say we're going to use a piece of shit to start our universe yeah you know it, it's not going to work you can't build off of that yeah and now they're just splintering off to just do whatever movie they want, like the new Batman movie, which I think the trailer looks good, so I'm cautiously optimistic yeah. about it. I've been saying that that's what they should do. Do yeah. all these standalone movies. People, like Marvel has the universe thing down. You're yeah. not going to catch up to them. You're not going to beat them at this point. So just do standalone movies. Just mm-hmm. do something different. There's, there's got to be an audience full of people out there who are not wanting to try and understand the entire MCU. That they just want yeah. to go in and watch a popcorn superhero movie. Let, give them that. I, I would say that I would just be really happy with a Justice Society movie, but it sounds like I'm getting a Justice Society movie. <laughs> a sneaky like, backdoor. You've been half asleep all night long and all of a sudden you're just excited as shit. Dude, is Dr. Fate's going to be in a fucking movie? Adam Smasher? Uh, yeah so hopefully blackout is good hawkman hopefully i don't get i don't give a shit about cyclone she'll probably die hopefully black adam's good otherwise you're gonna be very disappointed yeah i feel like they should just concentrate on shazam stuff like they're sort of building like a mini shazam universe with shazam and this black adam movie and yeah so maybe just kind of focus on that just have fun with it I was getting ready to say that's the that's the thing that Shazam has that none of the other DC movies have had, and that's it's fucking fun. Yeah, like it's and it's legit fun. It's fun from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie, and I know people think that Aquaman was fun, but it wasn't. Like it was just Aqua Bro fucking saying quippy bullshit and god awful CGI fight scenes. <laughs> yes, yeah, I haven't seen it. Probably won't. This this Snyder it's cut almost, did not, did not it's, make me want to watch the Aquaman here, movie. Here's the thing: it's almost worth watching it just because of uh, William, Willem Dafoe. Like, yeah, because you which should we, see everything Willem Dafoe's. Which we got a little bit of him in the Snyder cut, right. which he was he was not originally in it. So, <clears throat> although. Since I didn't see it, I didn't remember or know, but apparently Mara's British accent in this movie is throwing people off. Yeah, it was it was weird that it's different. It's also cool that she like 
waterbender's uh, Steppenwolf. She like sucks blood out of his face. I thought that was pretty badass. I'm just like Jesus. She's fucking like yeah, pulling all the liquid out of him. That's pretty badass. No. Um, I don't know anything else about it before we wrap up. I guess. No. Now I'm not gonna be able to sleep because I'm just gonna be thinking about <laughs> Kent Nelson wearing the helmet of fate. <laughs> Fucking James Bond playing Doctor Fate. You never knew that's what you wanted until you got it. That's a pretty. That's. A, I mean, that's a solid casting. Yeah, I, that's what I said. I was down. I was like, yeah, I'm on board with that. Although I'm assuming we'll only get one movie of him, and then they'll kill him. Probably. He seems like uh, he'll be the big sacrifice or something for the movie, and then. Right. You know. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if it isn't like set in the past or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they'll set it in the 80s or something, and then it'll be Black Adam pretty much smears the floor with the Justice Society setting up future movies. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.